It's Thursday night at 9pm and you know what that means. Yes, hello everybody and welcome to this episode 022, episode 22 of the Christmas Vacuum Podcast. My name is Daniel and I'm delighted that you've joined us tonight. We're currently streaming live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Christmas Vacuum and also archiving the show on YouTube, Spotify, CastBox and wherever else you get your podcasts from. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to leave a like or a subscribe or a comment to interact with the show. That will be very good. We appreciate those. And um, what else can you do? Other stuff. Whatever. It's all fine. Um, I'm here, as I am every single week, with my co-host, Mr. Matt. Mr. Matt, how are you? I'm okay. I was just complaining the fact that I've had my one glass of water today and it's done nothing but uh, wreak havoc on my throat. So You don't do well good. with water, really, do you? really don't it's it's coffee or nothing it's a it's a it's a bizarre happenstance for a human person to encounter that you actively seem to dislike water but um engorging yeah it was that bat bite that i had i thought it'd give me superpowers but instead it's just made me massively dehydrated (laughs) who knew it it seems to be what was uh your your anti-kryptonite back in the day seemed to be chocolate cake and what was that coffee substance that you had was it just coffee or was it oh, yeah that was that uh, cheapo little powder yeah what was that vanilla esque coffee powder vanilla esque <laughs> I, I can track that down now it, it wasn't even vanilla it was a, a vanilla substitute exactly yeah they couldn't afford the brand name vanilla stuff <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, for whatever reason, water just gets in all the little nodules in my larynx. But coffee, with its gravelly texture as one of the hard liquids, that coats me and gives me a, a manly, gravelly voice. I don't think coffee's supposed to be gravelly. It's also not supposed to put you to sleep, but for some reason it knocks me out completely. <laughs> so I don't know what the fuck's wrong with my physiology. But uh, we'd, we'd expect nothing less from you at this point. I'm a medical marvel. <laughs> as we as we seem to find out more and more with each passing week, it uh, all all these all these uh, secrets just keep oozing out into the public sphere. It's it's quite a, a sight to behold. Speaking of oozing, that thing came back again. <laughs> I'm not going to lance it this time. I just want to see what happens. <laughs> Welcome to the Charisma Vacuum Podcast. If this is your first time with us, thank you for joining us. If it is your second, third, fourth, as we say every single week. What are you doing back here? Go go and do something constructive with your life. Call a doctor, for God's sake. <laughs> I need medical help. <laughs> but no, seriously, thank you for joining us. It is always appreciated. Um, and yeah, we're on episode 22 now, Matt. It's like, um, are we we coming dangerously close to half a year of doing these things, which is quite crazy for something that uh, I didn't even think would get past the, oh, hey, let's try this out phase. I figured we'd do 15 minutes and be like... Oh, this this is just pretty pathetic, really. <laughs> uh, and the fact that we have woefully short attention spans. The number of scripts we try to sit down and write, and it didn't make it past an evening. Mm, mm. Yeah, unfortunately. Although you say that, one of my... Uh, we're jumping the gun ever so slightly, but I wasn't really going to talk about this. Um, I have been getting creative again with my writing, so that's a... That's a, uh, a a plus for me. I'm I'm delighted with myself and proud of myself. And um, I've I've done that. So now I'm just not going to do anything for another six months. I, I think I've done my I've done my three days, my four days, and that's 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 pushing the boat. Let's let's face it. You don't want to you don't want to think yourself as too much of a success for doing, you know. Exactly. It's exactly how I approach fatherhood as well. Mm, mm. How is how is um, little little Shinji? 
Shinji's fine. His sister Ratigan is, uh, she seems to be doing okay as well. She started middle school. Um, so I should send her, I don't know, what, what do you send kids when they achieve that? A card? A basket of oranges? I'll send her some oranges. It'll be fine. <laughs> I just wish you'd reply to her letters, man. That's just, that's just sad. Well, yeah. I'll have to learn to write, and my papa never taught me how to write, so. <laughs> he he just enjoyed it. Either <laughs> just enjoyed hitting me with a broom too much. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the good days. It was like, right, damn it! It was like, Papa, but you haven't given me a pencil. I used to bound home from school on the days I knew I was going to get a good brooming from Papa. <laughs> we have veered woefully off track. That's what we do. It's why, if you notice on the timestamps for the show, there's literally nothing in like the first eight minutes. I deliberately avoid. <laughs> <laughs> putting that in the uh in the in the description because i mean how do you how do you sum up this this type of banter really it's you don't you don't it's it's lining in a bottle um but well, that's an enterprise we should get into if we could be the ones that actually bottle lightning yeah i'm gonna work on that this weekend absolutely oh watch this space Watch this space, and uh, next week will be my new co-host of the Charisma Vacuum podcast. <laughs> After Matt's disintegrated, <laughs> we, just, <laughs> we just have your skeleton. <laughs> and then I slowly Dr. Manhattan myself back to corporealness. <laughs> Tune in next week when Matt grows the central nervous system. <laughs> so how have you been? How has this week treated you? Uh, I wish I knew, to be honest. It's flown by in such a breeze. Oh, oh yeah, I finished at, uh, at my practice placement, so I'm now officially halfway through my OT training. So oh. I'll be a qualified professional in no time, treating the sick and those with mental health conditions. Congratulations to you <laughs> and everyone else in the world should uh, should be worried. <laughs> Quake with fear, you petty <laughs> fools. <laughs> <laughs> But frankly, who better to tell people to indulge in meaningful occupations than someone like myself? Hmm. That's that's usually how it works, really, isn't it? If you're the most unqualified for the job, you are the person that gets it. I don't know. I think I'm highly qualified <laughs> in that regard. <laughs> um, that's what I tell people on, on my CV, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, um, yeah, I've had... Well, that was a pretty much already sort of got gone into uh, my my successes for this week was doing a, a little bit of writing um prior to that uh had uh, a weekend away which was which was nice um watched some tv and some movies and uh played a, a bit of games actually with my uh now ex-girlfriend i suppose but still on good terms that's all fine uh hello to alex hi um yeah, we we what did we do? We watched uh, watched a lot of Friends. Ooh. Uh, she'd never seen Friends. I don't know if I've had this conversation with you before, but she'd Ooh, never seen no, Friends. Yeah, she is thirty now, and never watched it. And so she started from season one uh, mm-hmm. a couple of months ago now, and um, has been working her way through. And I got involved midway through season two-ish and it's so funny watching someone who's you know because friends is ingrained i think in in western public consciousness mm. really it's like a 
cultural institution. Children are born, and they already know the synopsis to every single Friends episode, I feel like. Um, <laughs> it, it is that ingrained in our genetic DNA. And so it's strange, uh, as I was saying, to, to watch someone who, who doesn't know the beats of these uh, episodes and is experiencing 90s culture through a completely different lens. She was born in 1990, so she wasn't really conscious for a lot of, you know, the first five, six years, whatever, of the 90s. Not a lot of people were conscious in the 90s. There was a lot of acid haze and the post-cocaine years of the 80s. And I think one of the things that struck her is how much it brought into um, the public that we still use culturally that mm. originated in, in Friends. And um, she mentioned, what did she mention specifically? Uh, I don't know if you remember the episode of um where phoebe says to uh, ross that rachel is his lobster 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 yeah you got yeah. it exactly and she said someone someone at work said that the other day and i had no idea what they meant and then we've just watched this episode and i see that that's where it comes from and it's consistent little things like that that we don't even think about that has these origins in this sitcom uh from Jesus, what is it, 25 years uh, ago now? 20 years, yeah, 94 it started. Yeah, so it's it's quite funny how much we take for granted from that. Another one is the um, explosion of Lazy Boy chairs. I don't know if you remember that oh, in, in the mid-90s. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was another thing she, she picked up on. And uh, and I said, yeah, yeah, this is pretty much where that stems from, the idea of a man cave having a lazy boy chair that you know maybe has a, a beer holder and uh, if it's a really expensive one like a, a a fridge area and you incline you know thing and and so yeah it's it's it was a really quite charming experience um, yeah do you also remember that influx of uh, paleontologists having complete breakdowns over their sandwiches being eaten as well <laughs> I found that to that, Johnson. have you seen think... that sorry go on i was gonna say and we were on a break you know all the all the other sort of classics she's going to fall into over the next couple of how long it takes her to get to that point. Yeah. Uh, just a mild segue. Have you seen the YouTube video where they cut out the laugh track from Ross's breakdown of, of the sandwich? <laughs> and oh, so it just, it just... sounds profoundly sad. It, no, it, it comes across like he's a serial killer, some sort of psychotic, you know, as, as you'd expect. It's... Um, it is it is chilling. <laughs> it's pretty much the prototype of Dennis from Always Sunny, really, isn't he? That's a great shout. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um so yeah, I'm I would have liked to have watched more of it with her, to be honest, to uh to to see all this unfold. But just from the perspective of the show itself, I was so I don't know what the correct word is. Imp impressed isn't right. Surprised isn't right. No, I suppose surprised is right. I was surprised at um, how consistently good the jokes are. And, mm. I have, you know, Friend is incredible to think that Friends actually finished um, in 2004. So mm. that's like 17 years ago now, which is... Wow. <laughs> yeah, when you put it like that, bloody hell. That That doesn't make any sense. That was a cultural event as well. Do you remember how big of a deal it was? Yeah. Everyone was talking about the fact that Friends was coming to an end. Yeah. And to think that that's before we went to universities. Um, 
And so, yeah, so it finished 17 years ago. And a lot of sitcoms, sitcoms have come and gone since it uh, aired. Uh, but, yeah, so I was just surprised at how consistent the jokes were and how good they were, how, how original they were. Um, and that's something that I felt... I think when it finished, um, there's that period where you think it, it was right to finish because you become a little bit tired. And definitely Friends had become stale by, mm. by that point. And certainly when you look at uh, Rachel and Joey, that is one of the oh. all, all-time all disasters of, of any TV show ever as far that, as I'm concerned. That has its defenders, you know. Some people say that the pairing of, by that point, sort of ditzy head in the clouds, Rachel, and incredibly, well, by that point, um, probably diagnosably mentally unwell Joey. <laughs> um, yeah, some people really argue that they were a perfect complement for each other. And in some ways, yes, because her and Ross were, you know, that that was like the, the abuse victim getting back with a stalker psychotic ex. As opposed to Joe was basically just a man with a Labrador's brain inside him, but Ross was dangerous. Mm. They, I, I suppose when you look at it, it kind of went uh, community, didn't it? When you look at how <laughs> the beginning of community to the end of community and how off the wall and distorted those characters became. I suppose you could yeah. say the same for, for Friends. It did enter its own parallel universe of uh, <laughs> of craziness. Um, but anyway, no, so going back to more specifically season two, um, I was surprised at just how well written it is because I didn't know if the comedy would age in a way that uh, I, you know, you go back to certain shows just off the top of my head, like uh, maybe How I Met Your Mother and the and the jokes just feel a bit dated because you feel as though, you know, comedy moves on um and there were there were duds in there there were jokes that didn't land as well because you know things have progressed but uh for the most point just bang bang after another one joke after another it it does hold up well it's it's really entertaining (laughs) and um sorry go on i've caught a few episodes here and there over the years and um i think much like the early simpsons the trick to it was that you actually cared about the characters Hmm. So that certainly helped it. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, especially with those seasons, everything is character-based. All the mm. all the um, uh, arcs. And that's another thing as well, when you think 26 episodes per season. And, you know, how, how many episodes is that? Like, over uh, the I course of... 300 or something? I did look this up earlier. Um, you think... To, keep talking. You think to be exactly how... consistently coming up with new scenarios for six people you know for 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 every single episode i was i mean we we must have watched uh six seven eight episodes and they they were all varied and uh you know just from a creative perspective i I really appreciated how different the arcs um how different the uh the specific plots were but um Mm. They they always contributed to to the character in some ways. You, you felt as though Rachel was on, was on an arc and uh, Ross was on an arc and uh, Monica. Joey and Chandler definitely had an arc going on. Yeah, you feel as though they're moving places over the course of of the season, and it's not necessarily something you see too much. I don't think. In I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't watch too many sitcoms these days, but um, nah, not really. <laughs> too. 
but I mean, let's say even something like, uh, let's just say Scrubs. We mentioned Scrubs a few weeks ago. Ah, Scrubs. Scrubs is fantastic, but does JD really change within the first few seasons? Or is he the same character always, you know, just experiencing new scenarios? Well, it's not even new scenarios. I'm midway through season two at the moment, and um, it struck me in an episode yesterday that he's once again had an episode about facing mortality. Yeah. And, and, you know, good as the episode is, you can't help but notice that within the span of 40 episodes, I've already seen this plot. (laughs) Uh, Every Scrubs episode was based on a theme, which is... Um, you know, you've got to applaud that. That's a that's a great idea to go with, but there are only so many themes you can do. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, yeah. So as I, as I was just saying, Friends, without I didn't even realize it at the time. Uh, probably because I was too young <laughs> when when I did watch all these. I don't know about you, but we had the VHS box sets, and it really was a matter of you know wearing out these VHS <laughs> DVDs, uh, VHS tapes, um, going through them over and over again. Well, it was um, always on, uh, I can't remember which channel it was, but uh, Friends was on at least four times a day, double billing. E4? And then, yeah, probably E4, yeah. And then uh, in 2003 or 2002, Dad just decided, oh, you guys like Friends, here are all the box sets on DVD. So then we just wore those out relentlessly. Um, mm. It was just one of those great shows that the whole family could just dip in and out of. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Even though it deals with issues of... Uh, sex and relationships it's never particularly um gratuitous uh, gratu- that's the word i'm looking for thank you it's never it's never gratuitous in the slightest about it and uh, you know it was the case where it was only years later re-watching certain episodes where i go oh that was that was what this was about <laughs> yeah like the juice box <laughs> yeah or, or 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 joey's um coat for his you know um <laughs> <laughs> they're using salami or whatever it was and and as a kid it doesn't dawn on you what they're talking about but you start watching these with with your parents and your parents are maybe thinking do they understand this but either way it's not overly uncomfortable um, mm. they're they're adult adult themes but dealt with almost in a um quite an, an innocent juvenile way in a yeah. pg way action cartoon sort of thing yeah yeah um, so yeah, that was it. Maybe nostalgic as well. I think uh, I haven't watched Friends for a long time, and uh, it does, especially those '90s, those those mid '90s episodes. We mm. we talk a lot about nostalgia on this show, and uh, it does make you yearn for a, what feels like a simpler time, really, doesn't it? Um, what I find really surprising is uh, because when we were experiencing experiencing it live, the um... The Monica Chandler relationship felt like that was, you know, deep into the show. But I think it was season four, wasn't it? Or maybe right at the end of season three that they hook up. I don't think it was season three. I think at the end of season four, possibly. Yeah. Um, but it happened in the first half, which, you know, that felt like a long way into Friends at the time. That was... Especially to, to London for the wedding, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was going to say that was that was London. Um, bu- 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 Emily comes into it. Wretched Emily. That was another misstep. I don't know mm. if it would have been a misstep if uh, they'd have changed the actress, but I don't think anyone particularly liked the actress. No, she was horrible. She was horrible as a character, um, and and the actress did her no favours. She wasn't charming in the slightest. Yeah. 
Ugh, all I can see is the one with the truth about London, but that's that's later. Um, yeah, that's much later, isn't it? Because that's where... oh, the one with Ross's wedding. That'll be it. Yeah, <laughs> two part fourth season finale, uh, and the ninety sixth and ninety seventh episode overall. So yeah, it's it's the end of season four, so it is within the first half of the show. But you're right, it does. Um, yeah. I, I agree you think of Monica and 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 Chandler as as a pivotal point to to the later half of, of the season and it's not, it's bang on halfway almost. And that is so when was that? That was nineteen ninety eight. It, it it is a bit similar to The Simpsons in uh, the visual. Do you do you get that as well? There there's a change visually to the Yeah, they get style. Your sharp cameras and yeah. they become like a tv set yeah mm. and i think the cleaner the cleaner it got and the uh the the brighter it got the more the quality declined i think there's a direct correlation with that there is a bit of a peak i think it's season eight it, it gets a bit better but then it just slumps right back down although the i'll give it credit the final moments of the final episode are pretty good um i'd never want to see friends come back in any capacity because the final um the the final sequence is a really fitting end yeah yeah the i think the finale is the only thing worth watching i can't remember anything at all about the final season aside from the fact of thinking on the plane yeah yeah Uh, but it again it feels unearned it doesn't mm. feel truthful to the characters in any in any sense. It feels totally yeah. rushed. And um, a bit similar to how we were talking about it, How I Met Your Mother finished, in the sense that these characters had grown and become different people to what they were at the beginning of the show. And to try and shoehorn something that people felt, uh, you know, should have happened a long time ago didn't necessarily match who the characters were now. And exactly. They never really built, uh, built towards... A Ross and Rachel finale that made any sense aside from the fact that they had a child together. Um, and <laughs> just ask any estranged parents whether or not they'd get back together down the line for the love of their child, and, and a lot of people I think would say no, that didn't work out all that well. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, MaryClaire.com, every season of Friends ranked, and uh, you know, Claire is a womanly publication, so I respect their opinion on this, I suppose. Uh, so, number 10, season 9. And they put bluntly, season 9 is terrible. <laughs> it was originally intended to be the season's last, I didn't know that. But eventually wow. the cast agreed to return for a shortened 10th season. Uh, you can tell that this season was meant to be its final by the plot points put in place. Um uh, number nine, season one. Huh. No. Uh, Nonsense. Yeah. There's nothing bad, truly bad about the first season. It's just not as strong as the later ones. Actually, you know what? What am I doing? Why don't I bring this up on the on the screen here? Good point. I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, people. There we go. You can join in with me. <laughs> Sometimes uh, sometimes I like to keep these things hidden just for my eyes, just so it's more interesting to listen to. But It's a control issue thing. It, yeah, yeah, you got me. 
Uh, so nine season one. Uh, da, 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 compares it to Cheers. First season is kind of stumbling around trying to. That's nonsense. Forget that. Mm. Uh, eight season ten. Okay, that's more like it. Yep. Uh, season ten gets kind of a bad rap for basically turning every single character's personality up to eleven, which is what we were saying essentially. Very but, true. But it's saved by the show's final episode. Uh, pointing and moving while still maintaining the series' comedic tones is one of the best finales of a sitcom ever. Is Phoebe, does Phoebe get married in that episode, in the final episode, or is it? No, she gets married beforehand. They have the whole wedding episode. They have that good joke about um, <laughs> law kids. What the hell are law kids? Hey, Mike, if you were Norwegian, what would law kids be? <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever seen it once, so I must admit I can't remember that. Mm. Uh, seven season two. What's, what? Who's who's uh, that's this? best two and three? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's just scroll through this. Uh, six mm. is season seven. Five is season six. Four is season three. Uh, three is season eight. Okay. I mean, eight's gooder than some of the other ones, but yeah, Rachel has a baby. Um, two is season four. And number one is season five. I don't know if I put five up there, but I can't five? remember. No. Okay. All right. So that's what Marie Claire says. Um, let's go to uh, fan votes. And rank is pretty good for fan votes. So every season of Friends ranked. Okay. What do they say? Ah, oh, they say as well. Season five, number one. Well, there you go. We must be missing something. Hmm. Season focuses on the budding romance between Chandler and Monica. Features several unforgettable episodes, including the one with the triplets, the one with all the Thanksgivings. Oh, that that is a good one. Uh, the one with the ride-along. Memorable moments from season five include Phoebe gives birth. Um, Ross and Rachel drunkenly decide to get married in Las Vegas. Hmm. Ugly naked guy moves out of his apartment and Ross moves in. Uh, which, when you put it, put it that way, I mean, I, I suppose it couple of uh, iconic moments there. Yes, yeah, probably the last time that they did a decent moniker in a fat suit joke, which became a yearly staple. Mm. Increasingly diminished returns. It, it became more and more apparent how much they were trying to shoehorn fat moniker. Yeah. And that joke's aged very badly. Not yeah. in a kind of body-shaming fattest way, but just like, ah, I get it, she's moniker, but fat. <laughs> yeah, Alex took issue with it. Um, well, she should lose some weight then. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, season four at number two. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, one with the jellyfish, the one mm -hmm. with Chandler in a box, the one with <laughs> the embryos. You see, th this to me is, I suppose it runs counter to what I was saying earlier, but I suppose the, the random episodes to me are the more enjoyable Um uh, if you look at season five, season five is very much a season-long arc. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think there, there is something to be said about the one-shots. Uh, well, you can watch them in any order like that. You yeah. can just take them out, but when they've they've got a, a running through line, mm. well, a very heavy emphasis on running through line. Uh, so, key points, memorable moments, rather. Uh, Phoebe meets her birth mother. Chandler agrees to be locked in a box. 
uh, Ross says Rachel's name during his wedding to Emily. And again, we've already gone through that. No one liked Emily, which brings the enjoyment of the entire season down, I think. Uh, okay, uh, season three at number three. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Memorable moments. Ross insists he and Rachel were on a break. Phoebe believes that she's cursed. Ross learns that Rachel has feelings for him. Four, Friends season two. Okay, okay, yeah, this is a far better list. We'll, uh, yeah. This, this is the official list. Um, uh, and seasons 10 and seasons 9 are at the very bottom. So, wow, yeah. Well, still not getting much love. Hmm. But uh, I'm generally happy with the rest of that list. Yeah. So the, yeah. The, 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 the fans generally know what they're talking about, I think. We should come oh. on. We should come on ranker every every week and see and yeah. see what strange lists we can we can find. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting um, when we get to the end of April because we've got sort of uh, an on running feature that's going to be running throughout April. Um, so by the time that's done, we'll have a certain film franchise that we can rank and we, then compare to the, the top rankings. Are we starting that today? We are, but we okay. can get the ranking to mm. compare to our ranking, I suppose, by the end. Sure. Okay. Yep. Uh, that well, is all fine. Yeah. Um, so, are there any particular favourite moments or episodes from Friends or jokes that you hold dear? Hmm. Put me on the spot there. Um, I think one that in my family's always stood out. It's always been something that that we reference. Is um, when it, it is the Las Vegas episode actually, and it's when um, oh, Ross is uh, blind drunk. And he's on the floor, and he's trying to find his uh, his macadamia nut, and then he just picks something up and puts it in his mouth, and he says, "No, nope, that's not a macadamia nut," <laughs> or something like. I just totally botched the joke, but it's it's. I think it's one of the funniest friends moments, and it's uh, something that came up quite often in our house household for, for some reason. It's just putting something in your mouth and thinking, "This isn't what I thought it was," and um, and so it often gets uh, referenced. So that's something that always sticks in my head to me uh what, what about yourself uh well favorite episode probably the one when ross is trying to get everyone ready to go out to his gala and uh oh that's a classic oh just a classic example of how to do a bottle episode right um and as for jokes uh the one when chandler's sleeping next to his door and suddenly a drill comes through the wall right <laughs> next to his head <laughs> what the hell joey oh i'm sorry did i get you it's like you didn't get me it's a drill if you get me you kill me <laughs> and that's the sharpness of the writing that i was talking about it's stuff like i find from the episodes i watched it was stuff like that every single episode um just really 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 great comedy and uh from from what i've read apparently matthew perry was the only one of the um the ensemble that was in the writer's room for practically every episode that's not a surprise really is it, it? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure as well that the show was his idea, at least the sort of the the basic concept of it. But then, um, God, I've forgotten the name of the two. Was it David Crane? David Crane and the other chap. Uh, they yeah. sort of honed the idea and, and tweaked it into what the show would become. But from what I understand, Matt Perry was the one that approached Warner Brothers first with the idea of this sort of show about nothing and a bunch of uh, New Yorkians just getting on with life and a comedy based around it. I can tell you right here. David Crane and Marta Kaufman began developing three new television pilots that would premiere in 1994. Um, Kaufman and Crane decided to pitch the series about six people in their 20s making their way in Manhattan. Um, 
presented the idea. Da, 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 da. The idea for the series was conceived when Krenikov and began thinking about the time when they had finished college and started living by themselves in New York. Um, hmm, doesn't say anything about Matthew Perry. Weird. I must have been Mandela affected by that. I could have sworn that Perry was involved in the initial, but. Are you sure you're not thinking of something like um, what was that SNL ripoff that uh, that he did? That that sounds very <laughs> uh, Studio, Studio Six on Sunset Strip. Yeah. I like that for the fact that it's Bradley Whitford and Matthew Perry in a show written by Alan Sorkin. It's it's quite good. I do quite enjoy that show. It's it's in, nothing special. It's inoffensive. I think yeah. is the. Is the best word for it. It's it's the same as everything Sorkin does. It's it's yeah. it's entertaining schlock. I think it's 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 also highly idealized. It's like exactly. this television industry and everyone's pulling together, but oh, there's just a few bad eggs in there bringing it down. And it's just like no, Thirty Rock is a lot closer. Yeah, <laughs> that's why the show got beaten out by them. Yeah, I would agree. Plus Amanda Peet. I I just had such a thing for Amanda Peet at the time, so that helps. <laughs> Um, oh, um, Crane and Kaufman didn't want Matt LeBlanc for the role of Joey. Uh, yeah. They were told by the network to cast him. Jennifer Aniston, Matthew Perry, and Lisa Kudrow were cast based on their auditions. So uh, you, you've been spitting fake news there, Matt. Sorry about that. I say it's it's something I read somewhere. I can't <laughs> remember where. It must have been a Cracked.com article or something. Oh, yeah, because Cracked had... Right, whatever. I'm not going to start a war with the crack. Forgetting news. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got one other thing to round about for the week, unless you've got something to, to fill us in on. Okay, so I, uh, one of the other things we watched, uh, well, I was, oh, just we, something that the general audience won't be interested in, but you might find cool is uh, we played Breath of the Wild, which was like, oh, a really special moment because uh, <laughs> cause she doesn't play video games at all. And so. Uh, we last few times I've been down, I started taking uh, the Wii, Wii U, I should say, and uh, introduced it to Mario, which she actually really enjoyed, which you know was was great. And it's the two D Mario's, so new Super Mario Brothers, and then uh, and then uh, this week I put on Breath of the Wild, and she started playing it and really enjoyed it. So that was like just great. Really, really appreciated that. So anyway, Marvel. but enough of that. So we watched another film based on a video game series. Um, I don't think you're particularly familiar with the series, the Dragon's Quest, Dragon Quest uh, series of games. I'm transcendently, that's not the word. I'm aware of them, but very peripherally. <laughs> so the Dragon Quest games, I'll, uh, I'll let Wikipedia do the talking for me. Um, <laughs> Lazy. Yeah. Well, I prefer to get the information right. Uh, Matthew Perry was involved in the... <laughs> I'm going to change his Wikipedia entry now so that reads correctly. <laughs> um, so, uh, da, 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 first Dragon Quest game in 1986. Uh, I'm more interested in the numbers, actually, how many it sold. Da, 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 da. Basic premise... Basic premise of most Dragon Quest games is to play a hero who is out to save the land from peril at the hands of a powerful evil enemy, with the hero usually accompanied by a group of party members. So, you know, basic JRPG stuff. Uh, is, 
where the mascot's a uh, a paladin in an orange and yellow tunic with a helmet. Am I close on that one? Uh, possibly. Um, do you know the slime character? The, sli- the slime character is the most widely associated character with it. I shall. This little ju- thing. Ju- this little thing. No, you don't have to. It's on the Twitch if you're on the Twitch. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm waiting for the thing to catch up. Oh, no, I wasn't aware that, that was from Dragon Quest. I thought it was a Pokemon, a late entry Pokemon. Uh, you'd have thought so with the effort that they put into Pokemon these days. Alas, not. It's uh, it is a slime or oh, oh, the slime. I'm not sure. I've never the played slime. a Dragon Quest game. Um, right. Uh, you decided to watch a movie based on it. Yeah. It. So it it was on Netflix, and essentially we just finished playing Zelda, and she was very much in the mood for something, uh, you know, fantastical and and uh, and and Zelda inclined. And uh, Dragon Quest uh, came up on the little list of films that you may like, and she was like, "Oh, that's uh, that is something I'm very much in the mood for." And uh, I wasn't sure because uh, let me get a screenshot up. I'm just trying to find say. Oh, sales. Scroll past it. As of 2012, the Dragon Quest series has sold over 80 million copies worldwide. So yeah, it's a it's it's a well-known franchise. It's it's sold a lot of copies. Uh, Right. Dragon Quest, your story. And so this is what it looks like. And um, mm. immediately from the visual, I mean, the visuals from a animation standpoint, they look great compared to something like the latest Ghibli offering. Yeah, I can um, say... Girl and the Centipede, or whatever it's called, Earwig and the Witch. It is, it is head and shoulders above Earwig and the Witch. It, it, it uh, from an you know a three D animation standpoint, it it looks great, but when you know the Dragon Quest animation style for the games, you mm. can't help but feel it's a missed opportunity to not go with, you know, your generic anime hand drawn animation. Um, let me bring up some box art. Um, so I have absolutely no familiarity with the series whatsoever. So uh, I think when I was talking, I think when I was talking about uh, collecting Japanese mm. Super Famicom games, it one of the Dragon Quest games was uh, one of the ones I showed on the show. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, so this is it, it's basically it's very traditional for early late 80s early 90s um you know anime influences that type of thing and so i was expecting something more in the realm of this and uh yeah there's just something that i don't like about 3d animation essentially uh yeah i like the uh the heart i think yeah from 2d to 3d yeah and it makes me think as though it's just totally, you know, um, judgmental before I've even seen anything. But it, it, it gives off the impression that it's half-assed even before you begin. <laughs> and I, I don't know why that is. It's like because it's so cheap and easy to produce these days that you think, well, bang a script together and, and throw it into, you know, a, bu- a bunch of animators. And, and there you go. Jobs, jobs done in six months. Mm. Um, uh, so I, I was a bit unsure 
and hmm so let's i've like got to stop and restart like a dozen times so it is based on dragon quest 5 which is a, a super nintendo game that roughly takes 30 hours to complete this is a 90 minute film <laughs> <laughs> so I can see you going with this already. Yeah. And so if you're familiar with the franchise, if you're if you're a fan of the franchise, then I imagine right there you're thinking I don't like the look of this. And if you watch the first half an hour, you'd be right to think that way because it goes at a blistering speed. You've never seen a uh, a story go as fast as this does. And it's just so yeah it, so it follows this guy this guy's our hero uh i've forgotten his name let me let me hang on uh dragon quest your story something like len Ste steal your sunshine it's a cl <laughs> classic japanese name uh luca luca so, mm. so so this is luca and luca i'll just see if i can read the chuffin story so the story begins with luca's birth followed by him and his father uh pancras leaving gotha to travel the world to avenge the the boy's mother uh, madder who was kidnapped by monsters on his childhood travels luca meets bianca while ac acquiring both a golden orb and a saber cat cub he names percy while visiting coburg castle luca witnesses prince harry's abduction by the monsters serving bishop ladger and accompanies his father to rescue the prince but Pancras is killed by Ladger, using his final moments to reveal to Luca that his mother is still alive. That happens in the first five minutes. I was going to make a joke about that being the first five minutes, but... <laughs> it is literally the first five minutes. Wow. Bianca comes up uh, later in the film, and I was like, who the hell's Bianca? <laughs> Where, where's, this, where's this girl come from that's supposed to be this childhood friend? And that is... I mean, it does something really cool where it actually uses the in-game uh, in-game capture to tell the first few minutes uh, oh, glosses up, which is so cool. It is so cool how it does it. It's just a shame that it's imperative to the story and, <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> and it sort of glosses over it so fast. It, seriously, this should either be, if not three films, three two-hour films, it mm. should be, you know, a couple of seasons worth. And, and it You've literally got a season's worth of anime right there that glosses over in five minutes. Anyway, so let's carry on because it is integral. So uh, the boys are then enslaved by Ladger's monsters before they eventually escape as adults after 10 years of working on a giant temple <laughs> with with help from Dr. Agen. Use use that in your head and and, uh, and work that one out. That, that comes up later. Dr. Agen. Dr. Agen, not Dr. Eggman. Uh, so Harry returns to Coburn and parts ways with Luca, promising to repay him for Pancras's rescue attempt. After reu reuniting with a fully grown Percy, who is the uh, tight saber cat cub, right? Okay. And his father's retainer Sancho, who's just like his sidekick. While joined by a slime he named Gutrude, Luca learns that Pancras assumed him to be the legendary hero destined to stop Ladger. Luca also learns that Ladger had abducted Mada <laughs> as her Zenithian lineage <laughs> is needed for a ritual to open a portal to the demon world. So that's 10 minutes in. Pretty much. 
pretty much 15, 15, 15, 20. Okay, well, push. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, but you've essentially got all this lore of the Zenithians, which again, I'm watching this film thinking, the hell's a Zenithian? <laughs> when, when was this explained? <laughs> and um, yeah, so you go through a season's worth of, uh, of anime and then another half of him being captured by the big evil in the plot. So he's captured and then they escape and uh, and then it becomes a matter of uh, building up his uh, team to go and rescue his mother. And I won't I won't ruin the rest of it. I would recommend watching it f- for two reasons. Despite how how rapidly it runs through the story, it is actually really quite enjoyable. And especially when it hits its stride um, about a third of the way through and it calms down a bit and it just lets itself tell a story at a... It's, it's still not uh, a reasonable pace, but it's more reasonable than it was. Mm. It's very charming. It's very entertaining. Uh, it is very funny, and I, I I found myself really enjoying it and really going along with. Uh, oh, I've got a, I've got the trail. I didn't mean to put this up. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm really going along with with everything it wanted to do. Uh, again, just every now and again, just thinking, oh, this could be so much better if you gave it time to breathe. Mm. And um, so. I'm going to put a spoiler warning on this, actually, just in case, just in case, because I, I do, you don't mind me spoiling it, do you? I will get around to watching it, but I'm not worried about spoilers, unless it's quintessential to my enjoyment. It's quintessential to why it ruined the entire experience <laughs> for Oh, me. okay. It is. Okay, so this isn't a film worth watching, then. No, it is, it is worth watching, um, but... The ending is com- completely destroys the rest of the film. The okay, so what happened? I won't, oh, no spoilers. The it comes to the finale, and the finale happens as you expect it to, and then for no reason, no reason, absolutely no reason, it does something that retroactively makes you hate. <laughs> The entire film. <laughs> because you think, well, what was the point? Um, <laughs> so let me just get a spoiler. I'm imagining a Goosebumps-esque dramatic chapter reopen where all very dramatic, all hope is lost, everything's really super interesting, cut to next scene. No! <laughs> I awoke from my dream with a start. <laughs> is it something along those lines? I'm not going to say yeah. I'm going to wait for the... Uh the spoiler section so we are entering the spoiler section I'll put it in the description if you don't want to hear the spoilers if you want to fast forward past all this okay so it is a great fantasy story things happen there are twists and turns it is highly enjoyable you think wow I didn't see that coming that's really cool Uh, again just wish it could have been longer Uh, da 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 they it comes to the final battle with the big bad uh what's his name algorith or something uh dr eggman no dr dr Egan. did you pick up on that dr Egan. d-r-a-g-o-n oh my god 
maybe that plays into the story. Who knows? Okay. Uh, what's his name? What's stupid name? <laughs> Just picturing Doctor like, Acula from Scrubs. It, it is essentially that. It is essentially <laughs> that. Uh, Ladger. Okay, so Ladger's the big bad. Mm. So one who looks like Dark Cat from SWAT Cats. <laughs> I don't know that reference. Oh, you should check it out. SWAT Cats. Everyone should watch it. So it's it's the big assault. Um, all the all the band are together. They're going on this one final suicide mission to defeat the big bad once and for all. It happens. They kill the big bad. He's uh, he's just about to die. Oh shit! I meant to I meant to get the actual script. Let me see if I can get the actual script. <laughs> he's he's this be good. So he, he's he's about to die. And then uh, and then uh, every, everything stops. And this figure descends from heaven. Uh, da, 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 da. It's worth me finding now. I wish I wish I'd have done this sooner, for Christ's sakes. Um, right. Oh, it's been a while since I've had to say we're professionals. Damn it. <laughs> Matt Phil. That was actually something I was going to talk about. Um, I was hoping you were going to say it was along the veins of. Um, the last airbender where they tried to take a 26 episode series and cram it into an hour and a half film but with none of the charm visuals no unfortunately no anything i think that would almost be better you know because then you'd be like oh well it's shit it, that's it's shit um, but it's not it's really capable when it uh, mm. it, it it obviously wasn't quite capable hands i can't find it until this last okay i'm just going to it until the last bit, when yeah, so he's beaten the big boss, and then this figure uh, reveals itself from heaven and says to the uh, to our hero, to Luca, um, essentially, you are in a video game, and mm. everything mm. that you've done up until this point uh, is is has been has not been real, and you are a sad, lonely man. Uh, playing your game and I am a virus that has been created by some such or other to show you how sad and lonely and pathetic you are and then it goes through a montage in the real world of the hero in regular clothes uh, playing the game on a Super Nintendo and then going into like a VR machine and this is where the Dragon Quest movie takes place. It's like a, uh, a VR machine. And this virus has got into this VR machine. And um, it says, you, you may think this is real, but it's not real. Uh, you need to get out into the outside world and experience the outside world and, and live your life. And um, essentially, he fights back by saying, no, th this, is, this is a world too. This is, this is, this is, this is just as real and uh, just as worthwhile as as anything that the outside can give you, and and it's, it essentially goes down that route, and uh, somehow the virus is destroyed through the will his his willpower to believe that this is 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 a real world, and and um, I'm watching this thinking, is this some sort of magic trick? I you know some sort of you, you know that episode of Buffy where um all singing or dancing? No. Where she, I think she gets stabbed or something, and but it's stabbed, gets stabbed with like a poison, 
and the the point is she drifts in and out of this world and another world where she's in a mental institution. Oh yeah. I, that's like one of my favorite Buffy episodes because mm. I think it's it's just such a great concept. Season 5 I think that one. Yeah. And I thought is this like that as he put some sort of curse on on this on on Luca so that he you know almost a bit of a meta um, yeah. a, a meta uh, curse where he tries to convince him that he's in a video game just to just to throw him off. The... It's like, what's a video game? We're living in a fantasy realm. Yeah, we don't yeah. have electricity. And but it's not, and mm. it just sucks all the air out of the film. It sucks. <laughs> um, and it, and yeah. So and then da 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 da, and then it's got a two minute bit after that where he he defeats this virus, and then it carries on with the happy ending, but with the narration of. Um, I know this isn't the real world, but as long as I believe in it, then uh, that's that's all that matters. And you just are thinking, what the hell have you just done? Why would you it's, do that? It sounds like someone grew up as a big fan of The Matrix and End of Evangelion and didn't quite know how to stick the landing, but was determined to mash the two of them together. Yeah, and huh. it is you don't need it. I mean, there are certain films where you think you can do that, and it'll be a you know an interesting twist. Yeah, like the Sound of Music. <laughs> yeah, that, that that did turn into a Matrix simulation in the end, isn't it? It's like we uh, we give you your happy place, and it was really twisted that Maria's happy place was uh, was Nazi occupied Austria. <laughs> <laughs> One hell of an ending. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so. That's just the most infuriating thing about it is you have a flawed but entertaining fantasy um, uh, adventure for 98% of the film. And then at the last second, they decide to totally undo all that. And it just it's like a a gut punch Um, because you're rooting for these characters and you like them by this point. And it's just like, no, everything you believed in is is a lie. You literally cannot say anything else about the film, about how enjoyable it, it is, or how funny it is, or the twists and turns, because you're ultimately just left hollow from this reveal that <laughs> is so misguided. And uh, yeah, after the film finished, I just kind of sat there and contemplated my life. <laughs> and how to end it as fast as possible. <laughs> It sounds as lame and ill thought out as if the film mid battle grinds to a halt and they see a man sitting in a chair and they walk up to him and he goes, Hi, Dragon Quest audience, I'm actor Steve Buscemi. And then there's a momentary pause and then they all just get back to it. <laughs> that would have made more sense in the context of this movie than, uh, than what actually happened. And mm. it, uh, it infuriated me. It absolutely infuriated me. So. I was doing a bit of research and it didn't go down well in in mm. Japan, as you can imagine. Uh, I think if you were watching it and you maybe had problems with the pacing and its commitment to the original Dragon Quest V story, which, you know, I was watching this film and I thought, this is really cool. I'd like to go back and play that game. Because mm. uh, some, some of the beats and some of the twists are just phenomenal, phenomenal. 
uh, and then the ending comes, and I can, if I was a, if I was a fan of Dragon Quest and just everything, one thing on top of the other, I, I, mm. I would, I'd be, I'd be so upset with, uh, with, with, with that ending. I'm gonna get rid of mm. these. Spoiler warning. So no more spoilers. So, combination of insulting the audience, but at the same time telling them that they're in the right for doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But then doubling down at the same time and and telling them that. Uh, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, it should. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. exactly. So a conflicting experience. As I say, mm. I, I would recommend it. I don't know if it might be. You might even enjoy it more knowing the the twist ending, and be able to just mm. laugh at it when it comes. Yeah. Um, okay. Dra- but uh, Dragon Quest. Yeah, it's called Dragon Quest: Your Story, which I suppose with the title you should kind of expect <laughs> what happens <laughs> um but uh <laughs> they, they, they do kind of state it in the title but um still mm. still disappointing um so, is yeah. it uh it's a japanese film i'm guessing yes it is yeah 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 well uh, egregious titles that make no sense uh you know par for the course with uh <laughs> with that kind of thing <laughs> how dare you you're trying to say that uh racking my brain. Cowboy Bebop knocking on heaven's door didn't make any sense as a title? That, that they just didn't it, pick out it, a... it did. That did, because he wasn't knocking on heaven's door by the end of it. I can't honestly remember, to be honest. That was just the first anime that came into my head. Yeah. Well, the the guy's suicidal, isn't he? He is, is going on a suicide run, so he is effectively the one who is knocking. Take that, Walter White. You were beaten to it by ten years. Cannot honestly remember that was a really poor example to use. I take it back. Uh, um, have we ever spoken much about the film I Want to Eat Your Pancreas? Yeah, we have. Uh, mm. oh, personally, not on this. Not on the show. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was thinking about it the other day. Um, uh, I can't remember why for, for, for the life of me. But that's another film where it's incredibly charming, beautifully animated, really enjoying it and really engrossed in the characters. And... In the final 10 minutes, it just takes a turn that you knew it was going to happen, but the means in which it happens are a complete fuck you to the audience. Mm. Uh, And it completely derails the entire beauty of the film up until that point. And it just leaves you sitting there, like you say with this, hollow, trying to absorb exactly what you've just heard and witnessed. And then being forced to watch the last five to ten minutes of this film while processing the the cheat that that's just you know happened before your very eyes, and uh, yeah, I still haven't quite recovered from that one in the terms of suppressed rage. <laughs> oh, that's I remember you recommending it to me. I I did very heavily, but that was until I finished watching it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I see. Um... Mm. I'll bring up another trailer here. Um, yeah, Alex didn't finish watching it. She um, she decided just to go to bed rather than finish the film. <clears throat> and um, I was just glued to it from sheer shock, <laughs> really, more mm-hmm. than more than anything. Um, so yeah, I I'm just watching. Decided to put this trailer on again just to remind myself of. Uh, of the, of the enjoyable bits, really, because I got myself quite down about it. But yeah, it's 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 fun. It's got a um, 
the the romance is is a is a key element to it, as you'd imagine. I think the romance side quests are quite heavy in Dragon Quest games, anyway. Mm. And uh, and that takes an unexpected twist again, something that you feel would have been so much better if it had come over the space of uh, a few hours or a season or two. But uh, again, it's that's got a, a a nice twist to it, and you feel quite satisfied with how all that plays out. Um. Yeah, just everything aside from the ending, just a bit too fast paced, but mm. uh, incredibly enjoyable. And okay. um, yeah, yeah I'd, oh. I'd 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 recommend it with an asterisk. I think. Mm. Um, know what you're going, what you're getting yourself in for, which is overly rushed, enjoyable, terrible ending. <laughs> overly <laughs> rushed. Uh, so yeah, if I were to sum it up in under ten words, that w- that would be it. Yeah, well, it looks good. Yeah, I'll I'll check that out. I'll find a means of getting around to it. Yeah, it's on Netflix, so hmm. uh, oh, okay then. Yeah, it's, it's easy enough. Yeah. Hmm. Um, what do you want to do? Do you want to? What else have we got? Are we diving into the key, uh, key review for this week. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, the only thing I've really done this week is watch um, a few of the DC animated movies, but that's nothing too pressing. We can cover that at another time. Mm-hmm. Totally up to you. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Let's jump into the uh the meat of this this week okay so there's an image <laughs> so i um th- this is actually quite funny how i was talking about how uh my ex-girlfriend had never seen uh, friends before and um here i am as a 34 year old man um having never seen or read anything to do with harry potter just incredible i mean it'd be one thing for you not to have read it or seen the films but the fact that you know nothing about harry potter is staggering even by osmosis you would have thought you'd have picked something up i think once you get past a certain threshold it becomes almost a um what's the way to describe it 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 becomes what does it become i don't know how to finish that sentence now i've said it it just it, becomes something that the young people do. It it becomes something where you can easily close your mind off to it and not absorb <laughs> not absorb any of it. It's just like okay, that is Harry Potter gibberish. Therefore, like like I I know of words, so there's <laughs> so I know all the key characters. Give me your words. Give I, me the words, Dan. I thought I thought Dumbledore was um, the actor played by uh, Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> uh, was a character played by Robbie Coltrane. Um, I knew, um, God, I can't even remember his name now. Uh, the, who's the evil one? Voldemort. I knew Voldemort. Mm-hmm. knew Hogwarts. I knew, um, uh, the names of the houses. And that was pretty much it, I think. Um, knew, uh, Quidditch. But e- even after watching the films, I have no idea what the rules of Quidditch are. Yeah, if the if the snitch is worth 150 points and it wins the game immediately, then what why is even the bother point of the it? Yeah, exactly. That's that is exactly what I was asking myself because mm-hmm. I was watching it. I couldn't get my head around it, and and I wondered if if that was just me. <laughs> I was like, no, no, it's a general thing. People will try and defend it. Will say, well, actually, the more skilled players will be able to rack up like points by by the time you get to the snitch. But it's like, yeah, but it's it's 150 150 points. It's like in football, 
you know, each goal is worth 10 points, but if there's a special ball and you only need to touch it and it gives you 150 points, no one's going to score 15 goals in the amount of time it takes for you to get this one ball. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Quidditch is stupid. <laughs> I know I know that officially for a fact now. <laughs> <laughs> so you wouldn't want to play it in the park on brooms like people do? Well, it just kind of looked a bit like hockey to me in how aggressive and violent hockey is. If you think it's just kids running around a field with sticks battering each other and elbowing each other in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those things have like knobs on them, don't they? They're like proper... Um, what do you call cudgels almost yeah yeah I, I used to play hockey it's a really you know aggressive game if you if you get hit with a ball or a stick you know about it oh I meant the uh, for, for the beaters sticks in Harry Potter oh sorry yeah 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 kind of weird northern street hockey you were playing <laughs> winner keeps all the banana bread yeah <laughs> <laughs> We got all the stereotypes here. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many other northerners that relate to banana bread, actually, but uh, <laughs> I, that's like specific to my family, so I'll take it. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, you're the the only northern family I know, so ah, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so back to Harry Potter and what I knew about Harry Potter. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think I think I've pretty much explained. Or, or, or reeled off everything I did know about it. Uh, characters: uh, Dumbledore is Robbie Coltrane. Um, <laughs> Quidditch. Uh, I knew the uh, the slick-haired kid. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's it. So, so yeah, my history. I mean, it's. I was talking to you about this throughout the week. So, mm. uh, just for the people that obviously aren't. Uh, um, eavesdropping on our, to our, on, on our conversations. conversations. Yeah, it's... Uh, <sighs> there is a, sl a sliding doors scenario where I am bought Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Is it Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone? Cause... It's Philosophers in England and it's Amer uh, Sorcerers in America if you're stupid and fat. Right, okay. I did wonder about that because I saw... Uh, we had subtitles on and the subtitles said Sorcerers but they were mm. clearly saying Philosophers out of their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> so, anyway, so there is a sliding doors scenario in my life where uh, I get bought Harry Potter for Christmas and I become the biggest Harry Potter fan, you know, one of the biggest Harry Potter fans going because uh, in 1997, when the book was released, I was exactly the same age as Harry was in the books. 10 going on 11. And so it was geared... It was geared towards me. It was geared towards my age group, my demographic, and that's something that's kind of hit home as I've been researching it. Um, but for whatever reason, um, my my path never crossed uh, with the with the series. I was too focused on video games at that point. Ninety seven was when uh, the Nintendo sixty four was released, and it's when I um, received it for Christmas that year um, with Diddy Kong Racing and, and Goldeneye. I kind of never never look back I, I told a story in the in the um, gaming memories i think it's episode three of this that uh, uh we went away during that summer of 97 and i bought a nintendo magazine and never looked back and uh, obviously a, a, a boy's a lot until recently <laughs> yeah 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 
obviously a, a boy's allowed to have more than one hobby so I, I could read and have an interest in nintendo but ooh, get you get me you had money when you were a kid splashing <laughs> it about with your interests but uh but essentially yeah so uh, all, all my efforts were putting to gaming and reading about games and magazines and and writing about games and all that type of thing that that's what took up my 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 spare time um and so it was only from what i can remember when the hoopla around the first film uh began to when the cogs began to whir and all that media stuff kind of began to came out come out was when i first heard about the series and i think they were already like three or four books in by that point were they yeah the uh definitely three books in yeah yeah and um and then about 2003 or four i think yeah and so 2001 was when the film series came out but by that point i was you know 15 and uh 14 15 and into you know the white stripes and nirvana and playing guitar and and uh you know too hetero for wizards were you (laughs) with your hormones and your rock and roll (laughs) And uh, and so Harry Potter. I mean, especially looking at this uh, this <laughs> this poster. This poster looks as you know quintessentially ad- adolescent as you can get. Really, it looks like some kind of really bad fan made poster put together by Nambler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Google Nambler, everyone. Anyone who's not aware of it, <laughs> and then and then wait for the authorities to bang down your front door. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I kind of felt that by the time the film had been released, I was too cool for for school, almost, and and too cool for Hogwarts. Yeah, and even though I mean, I remember going into sixth form, and I went to a new school for sixth form, and uh, and I was in English class, and you know how you've, how you've got the, the the cool kids at school, and they were in my English class, and they were sat at the back of the class, and of course, and, all the cool kids were in English class. And and they were talking about how they it was the weekend after uh, the one of the last books came out. It'll have been two thousand and three. So I think had the penultimate book come out or something. No, the two thousand three would have been about the fifth book, perhaps. Regardless, uh, one yeah. of, one of the books had just come out, and they were all going absolutely mad about how they'd. Uh, bought it on the Friday or whatever it was, and stayed up late, and you know, completely blitzed the book on uh, throughout the weekend. And this really surprised me because it's like these are the cool, the cool, attractive kids, kind of <laughs> admitting to each other that they read Harry Potter and were were, were geeks about it. Um, and so, and so, I think that was the first time I kind of realised the influence that this that this franchise had, and and the type of people that it affected. And that were devoutly, you know, fans of it. Um, but by that point, you you passed it, or or I feel I was passed, and it was like, this isn't something that I actively want to get involved with. Uh, and then you know the films kept coming out, and it was like, well, I don't really want to sit through eight Harry Potter films. <laughs> um, but um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my brief history with ignoring harry potter and then uh yeah this weekend uh alex was was like 
uh, oh, I'm going to force you to watch Harry Potter. She, she did it as a joke just for the first one. Mm. And then uh, I kind of thought, well, that wasn't too bad if you want to put the second one on the following day. Um, you're more than welcome. I was absolutely bowled over by the runtime of these films. I thought mm. the absolute nuts that you're going to do uh, a children's film at two hours, 40 minutes long. I thought that was crazy. Yeah. Um, Ambitious stuff. Uh, but but that's what we did. So I've spoken for most of this episode. So uh, you give me a taste of your history with Harry Potter and uh, and your impressions. of Because I'm interested about the differences between the books and the films. So a bit of your history, a bit of what you thought of the books when you were reading them. And then uh, when the films came out, if you will, please. No problem. So I first heard of Harry Potter when we had a um, a World Book Day. And, uh, you know, when they come into the school and they sort of say, these are the books that you should be reading, kids. Uh, this is Harry Potter. It won the Smarty Award for, for best book. So you should all be reading it. It's great. And sort of thought, oh, yeah, that's grand. Uh, and then when I was in year seven, um, so moving into uh, secondary school, I can't remember how it came into sort of the the household but we just ended up with a copy of harry potter and the philosopher's stone the book right. uh mum was reading us a chapter every night and then yeah. we were plowing on by ourselves because uh you know younger brother so we sort of took part in family reading sessions um so we we're doing a chapter a night and we were very engrossed and then i took the book away and started reading it avidly and then loved it so much dashed out and got the second one as soon as it was uh available um I'm pretty sure I was reading the third book shortly thereafter. But yeah, just absorbing them. Uh, and then we ended up having the audiobooks as well, read by Stephen Fry. And we had those on loop relentlessly. And then the film got announced and my cousins were into it as well. And we were all very excited to see the film happening. And um, as, a, as a brief sort of tangent, for all the ambition of the MCU, Warner Brothers took a hell of a gamble on this. They decided to invest 10-year contracts with a bunch of unknown child actors and say, right, you're going to be the leads in the biggest book franchise we've got going to compete with Lord of the Rings, essentially. Uh, we're going to bolster it with a lot of great supporting actors to sort of shore up the foundations. But, you know, just the ambition of it. <laughs> I mean, Daniel Radcliffe is... By no means a good actor, and he's never going to not be Harry Potter. Um, but, you know, as they go on, they do a good enough job. But there's a hell of a gamble for a studio. Banking, obviously, on the popularity of Harry Potter, they couldn't lose money off it at this earlier stage. But you've got to give them credit. They they really took a risk with it, and it paid off. It really did. Um, so, yeah, basically, we were... Big into the Harry Potter books. Um, my brother never read any of them, but he um, he loved the films, absolutely adores the films. And about two years ago, he decided, I'm finally going to read the books. Hmm. And he read them all within a ridiculous amount of time because they're relatively easy to get through for the first books and then they just keep creeping up in size. Um, but the, the first book, I, I was doing some reading around this, they wanted it to be a fairly faithful adaption. And for the most part, it is. There's barely any major changes the only main differences are um the quidditch field originally had a roof over it in the book they decided <laughs> to make that more open field you spend more time with the dursleys 
um, and sort of see things from their perspe- uh, perspective in the early chapter. And uh, what was the other magic? Oh, yeah, uh, there's a character called Peeves, the poltergeist, one of the Hogwarts ghosts. And he was played by Alan Rickman. And they had him filmed. They had all the bits and bobs. But they decided just to cut him from the film because he would just keep dicking around on the set, entertaining the kids. And so he, he suited the role perfectly, but they just couldn't have him around, basically. So they just cut him. And no one's ever seen any of the, the footage. Um so yeah, those are really, uh, and a few little bits and bobs here, you know, no major changes. Like he meets Malfoy originally in the robe shop rather than, you know, at, right. at the uh, the Hogwarts station. But for the most part, books one and two are pretty much direct adaptations from page to screen. That's interesting. Uh, Alan Rickman plays Snape. Uh, yes. Should... So how does that work? How do you mean? How does that work? You said Alan Rickman played the ghost, the poltergeist. Uh, uh, sorry, um, Alan Rickman. Uh, Rick Mail. Sorry, Rick Mail. Oh, plays... Rick Mail. That is a damn shame. You confused yeah. me then for a second, but that is uh... yeah, it's just slip the tongue. <laughs> yeah, um, I've completely thrown myself off. Uh, yeah, just just adding to my what I was saying. Um, so uh, it came out Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Eighty-seven. Uh, the film. The, the film uh, it came out 2001? in 2001 mm-hmm. uh, but more importantly it came out in the United States let me see if Britain uh, in the UK it came out on the 4th November and in the United States the 14th 11 or 14th depending on where you are um, just post 9-11 uh, obviously but more importantly from my perspective mm-hmm. is um, it went up against Lord, Lord of the Rings. Rings. Yeah. And I think from my perspective, as a probably 15 at the time, there, there is a massive gap there, I think, between Harry Potter and the Lord of the Rings world. And it's a matter of saying, well, are you a grown-up or are you a seven-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that probably had a, a massive sway as well uh, Yeah, when, when Harry Potter was, was released. Um, but going back to so just just a bit, uh, I should have said that we are going to be doing uh, the first two films in the series, uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, and whatever the second one is, uh, the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> Chamber of Secrets, which I think we'll get into, we'll get into it. Um, so yeah, uh, this is no, don't open that. Why are you opening that? Uh, this is the trailer for Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So, positives first. I thought it was a, what you liked. I thought it was a thoroughly enjoyable children's film. I found myself mm. entertained from beginning to end, and um, I, I won't say that the two and a half hours flew by, but I thought, as far as children's films go, uh, I thought it was top notch. I think the performances are largely excellent. Uh, it is a charming setting. It is expertly filmed. And the uh, special effects still largely hold up, I think. Yeah, by and large. They put a lot of practical effort into uh, into a lot of them. Yeah, and as, uh, as a run-of-the-mill children's film, can't complain at all uh my criticisms i suppose come from 
what the series has become and <laughs> how uh, how loaded it is. Uh, and what I mean by that is it's a great film, but I don't think it has any originality to it at all. <laughs> and I don't know I don't know if that's a controversial thing to say. Um but I felt as though everything it did was standing on the shoulders of giants almost. It it, it was ripping off so many things that I felt, well, you've taken that from there, you've taken that from there, you've taken that from there. I mean, I don't know if it translates to the United States or other parts of the world, but in Britain we have a very rich history of uh, school, it's like a school school genre, mm. don't we? Like, um, uh, is, it, uh, uh, is it Tom Brown? Is that the book I'm thinking of? Uh, it doesn't ring any bells with me, but I know what you're getting at. It's like Tom Brown's school days. It's like the like Americans that. have their high school-related sitcoms and their college-based comedies and we have sort of the school of hard knocks boarding well, school <laughs> yeah i was right so tom brown school days so tom brown school days is an 1857 novel uh set in 1830s at rugby school an english public school and essentially yeah it is it, it's, it's kind of harry potter i think um in the sense that oh what's this Oh, that's the fourth one. You want to skip that? Oh, no. Why are you auto playing, you silly thing? Anyway, without going too much into that, we have a tradition in this country of uh, of writing stories about the um, school days from the perspective of, of kids of a certain age. And a lot of those in the past have been at uh, what are known down south as public schools. In, in the north, they're known as private schools. And they are generally school boarding schools. And <clears throat> it'll follow... <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> It'll follow a, uh, a a central protagonist, and they will um, learn the lessons of life and get up to mischief with their group of friends. And uh, and and yeah, they'll they'll get roughed up at sport and all that kind of thing. And what I felt Harry Potter is essentially, as you're saying, it's an adaptation of those traditional English. Uh, tales of school uh, wrapped in a veil of magic, essentially. Yeah. And that... Yeah, as I say, I don't want to be critical about it because there's no reason to be critical, but it's just in the sense of it's a simple premise mixed with another simple premise and it's come together to create something that is far greater than the sum of its parts, almost, I think. The naysayers um, said the same things about Star Wars in 1977. <laughs> well, I, I suppose that's true. I, I, you know, I suppose when you look at what Star Wars is, it's, it, it is those traditional. Uh, it, it's a, it's a. Um, it was like pulp. Kurosawa samurai films and Flash Gordon serials, and it's a, it's a samurai film in space. Mm. Um, so that's that's very true. Uh, I, I just, as I say, I was entertained, but for what I was expecting. It wasn't as groundbreaking as uh, as as I expected it to be, mm. and a lot of those. So, so, so I'll, I'll give you an example of just how the what I felt was a lack of real imagination, and that's that. Um, no, two things. So the first is when Harry's in the dark 
what is it the dark woods or something like the that? Forbidden forest. The, the Forbidden Forest, which itself is a, you know, <laughs> it's very generic. These were kids' books. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm I mean, just. It's a perfectly suitable name for a, a dark, uh, unapproachable forest but, in in a child's fantasy setting. But you know, I, I still think from uh, the children's books if you compare it to something like a roll doll i feel as though someone like a roll doll really does go above and beyond with the creativity and trying to subvert expectations almost and you think it's going to be this and we go that way and yeah and jk rowling never or in in, in these first two films never does anything to subvert those expectations in a mm. in a creative way and so she's in the we're in the forbidden woods and uh, Harry stumbles across this uh, ghost, uh, this uh, the dead unicorn, the, the dead unicorn, and, it's a, <laughs> and my first thought was, that's what you went to. You went to a unicorn in a forbidden forest, and it's like, oh yes, there's a evil spirits that feed that feed on the blood of unicorns or something like that. Like, oh no, it's it's cursed, Dan, to drink the blood of the unicorn, which is you know one of the it's it gives you immortality but, but it's also it, cursed. it just it just strikes me as lazy creativity to think mm. uh what could what could be in this uh what could be in this uh, unicorn and um uh, to be fair you see a dark gloomy wood i don't think unicorns well precisely what what is a unicorn <laughs> I doing <think> aragog <laughs> <laughs> but but can you appreciate where i'm coming from it's like well oh absolutely yeah why is there a unicorn in it surely unicorns are <laughs> Uh, a, a bright, sprightly creatures that should be uh, galloping in meadows, in, the, or... in meadows, not like what are they doing, traping in, around in forbidden... dark, gloomy wood filled with monsters and giants and spiders and centaurs. Yeah, it just, I just kind of help, couldn't help but think, just create a new creature or something that mm. that would, uh, you know, we've spoken about this before as as someone who who tries to 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 be creative and and, and write. Um, I'm right. I get enjoyment when I find myself in this predicament where I think, okay, I'm stuck. I need to come up with something that uh, that is relevant for this situation. And I don't want to half-arse it just by being like, uni- unicorn. Just unicorn. It's like, what, what can be in this environment of a forbidden wood that is also has a, you know, rich aura that would be valuable to a certain ghostly being? That, that makes sense, you know, and mm. uh, something that, that would also be quite disturbing to, to come upon. Um, and that that would be exciting to me of just thinking of a treasure trove of different ideas to, to inject into this world. You can inject something new that, 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 that children haven't seen or heard of before. Mm. But no, it's like unicorn. <laughs> and <it's> like, <laughs> why? Uh, sorry, th- this just reminded me of, um, okay. <laughs> I'm going to take Teen Titans as a uh, not Teen, Titan Maxim as an example for this. Um, <laughs> the villain is planning to steal something from from that ice moon, and they go to the steam factory, which has this most amazing steam powered machine that bosses off, and it's the most inventive thing ever. It's really you know creative and off the wall, and he's giving this speech about how this steam machine works and what it does and they go holy fuck is that a giant fucking diamond <laughs> and it's, it's like no explanation needed of course it's a giant diamond and it's the same thing with the you know the dead unicorn you see a dead uniform it's like holy shit it's a dead unicorn this is a big deal <laughs> but if you have to stop and go that's that's a flublat 
you know, flu blats. They have the magical nasal spray, and when you inhale it, and you've got to go through a whole thing to explain what's a big deal. But you sure... see a dead unicorn, you know shit is getting real. But surely that's the point of Harry Potter, is to engross yourself <laughs> in this new universe where things aren't as they seem. Isn't isn't that the point? That's always what I took it to be. Is I th- I was expecting real originality and creativity in this universe. <laughs> and in the end, you, you got a bit of uh, Tolkien, a bit of C.S. Lewis. I mean, it, it picks from C.S. Lewis, I suppose, more than anyone else, because C.S. Lewis did mm. use these um, allegories and these symbolisms and things and use them to far greater effect. Um, you know, uh, and that's, I think that's that's more along the lines of what, what I was expecting. If you're going to use things from our mm. universe in, in this story, then use them in a way that is a bit more impactful rather than just being like it's a dead yeah. unicorn unicorns have, <laughs> have, have an essence i mean i can understand exactly what you're saying and it makes sense but uh just you know because i hear nothing uh, mm. but uh gryffindor and uh hufflepuff and hufflepuff. and you know all these fancy names but it seems to me like you got a lot of fancy names to describe essentially what already exists in the human world and then when she couldn't think of anything original, she just was like, see unicorn. Um, yeah. And and that's what frustrated <laughs> me because, you know, what's I, our villain. It's a guy with a face on the back of his face. Exactly. And that is, <laughs> and that is something that appears elsewhere in literature. I'm struggling to think of it off the top of my head, but, uh, I don't know if there's something like in one of Lewis Carroll's stories about that. I think there may be, I might be completely wrong, but you know, there are, there is definitely, classic literature where that is where that occurs um you've got a face on the back of someone else's head and <laughs> i mean that was a sec- story too did it really well then well mm. then there you go but not only that it's it's how um he's defeated <laughs> just go to his side get him in the blind spot <laughs> sucker punch him from behind well no it's it's like um his his host his house mm. was defeated when when Harry put his hands on his face, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was literally suddenly like, what the fuck oh, is going on? What the, yeah. the fuck is supposed to be happening here? He's, he's, <laughs> he's a wizard, and he defeats this guy by putting his hand on his face, and he and he it melts. It was love, Harry. It was always love. You've got something that, yeah, exactly. Um, mm. Dumbledore's like, you've got something that your mother gave you. And I'm thinking, oh that shit! No one else ever had. No one else ever had. I'm thinking, shit! This is like going to be some sort of key twist going on here. She's going to like inject it in with with unicorn blood. Um, and it's like she gave you love. And I literally, if I could have stood up and, and left that cinema, I'd have done it at that point. So I was just you thinking, are not going to like where some of the films go from here on out. Then <laughs> I just couldn't believe it because I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking this. I was I was happy to accept most of it. You know, I was, as I say, I was disappointed with the lack of originality in bits and pieces, mm. but that is just like... Uh, Lazy that, writing 101. Exactly, exactly. That, you know, we've had some... I'm sure we've had better writing than that in some of your fan fictions. Um, to, to come up with such a stupid deus ex machina as you defeated him with love. It's like, well, how, how the fucking hell are there any villains in this universe what what's next a healing through the power of phoenix tears oh don't get me started on that 
I I got in a bit of a fight with uh, with Alex o- over that, and she was like, <laughs> he, he did say earlier that phoenixes have healing tears. I'm yes, like, to deliberately set it up. Exactly. <laughs> a lazy setup to a lazy payoff, just for the fact that you lampshaded it doesn't make it any better. That was exactly that, exactly my point. It's like, and that and that is one of those things that screams of you get to the end of the book and you think, shit, how do I get out of this one? And then you go, and then you're scrolling back and you go, well, if I put phoenix tears heals great fine done book's finished and um and yeah i i mean to be honest we could go through um a chamber of secrets as well but i see philosopher's stone and chamber of secrets are essentially uh two sides of the same coin in fact i Mm. I would say that the positives and the negatives are essentially the same thing and yeah. um and you just hit on one right there where the ending is bullshit. The ending of Chamber of Secrets. Oh, just you bullshit. wait till Prisoner of Azkaban. If you want to talk the a Deus Ex Machina, um, a lot of people uh still go, what what the hell were you thinking with with Azkaban? It's probably the best book, but they introduce an element that breaks the universe and then is <laughs> never brought up again at all within the official canon series of books and films it's a hold on maneuver is it yeah it it makes the hold on maneuver sensible <laughs> okay well that, that... It, it's it's along the same lines but you know for the hold on maneuver it's like why not use a droid but at the same time there had to be a sacrifice but they could have solved so many problems all the problems with where they go in the third the, the, the final chunk of the third well that that'll be interesting reason. that'll be interesting mm-hmm. i'm curious to see where that goes then um but yeah that just <sighs> without okay so i'm just thinking do we go deeper into different things um yeah i suppose we can round up talking about philosophers then move on to chamber and then sort of have okay the, yeah any bridging stuff we, we should really have a, a set structure for this rather than jumping all around the place but uh yeah, we'll work that out in subsequent weeks. Yeah, exactly. It'll become a lot more focused as we go. I, I suppose um, most of the people listening to this are going to know Harry Potter and are going to know the story of it. Yeah, so they're, they're going to hate us absolutely for this. But yeah, I'll I'll give it its credit. I mean, it had been... Jesus. Um, I think it had been the best part of 15 years, if not more, since the last time I watched the first movie. Yeah. And uh, last time my brother came home, Again, he's a big fan of the films, and he said, "That's you know, it's it's quarantine. Let's just sit down and do the Harry Potters one after another in over the course of a week." And I was really dreading going back to the early ones with the young child actors sort of fumbling the way through it. Uh, but I was very charmed by it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's a really serviceable, well put together kids film, and you know, Chris Columbus knows knows his stuff. Um, it, all all the cast are, are great. The children are passable for what they are um which is children um yeah it's it's just got a really nice throwback vibe to it and i I remember watching at least the first five movies at the cinema actually i think the eighth movie was the only one i didn't see which is a bit of a shame really um at the cinema um not really hating them not really liking them they were just something that happened then i moved on um but you know sort of peripheral whereby culture of, of the significance um but they really are the star wars of their generation i can understand why um i i think it's odd that 
people our age would still cling on to them as like the best franchise ever and uh, if you don't agree with me about harry potter then we're not going to get on as people which is very strange, but uh, yeah. What well, one thing as well uh, that's always made me laugh is that why do they have Slithering House? It turns out nothing but evil people. Why don't they just the moment anyone gets picked for Slithering go? Oh, that's great! Just follow us here into this back room, and then you just hear abracadabra, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just makes no sense why you keep a house that's regularly churning out uh, Fred West's and yeah. Adolf Hitler's and everyone else essentially... and still give them the power of a god. It's <laughs> essentially a, a, a marker that you're a dick, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Warner Brothers bought their film rights to the book in 1999 for a reported £1 million. £1.65 wow. million. That seems a bit of a bargain now. Ah, but the trade-off for that was that J.K. Rowling's has complete creative control, which is why they're having such shenanigans at the moment with all the all the political controversy going on around it. Hmm. She has full creative control of the entire project, uh, and she's more than made... Uh, God knows how many billions she's made off of it. <laughs> but oh, it has made yeah. things very awkward for the studio at this point. Yeah. Um Okay, so uh, one of the things that uh, that surprised me, just going structurally now through the uh, film, thinking about it, you mentioned the beginning of the film with the, what are they called? The Dursleys. Yeah. One of the things that struck me initially, and it even follows through to the second film, is the tonal shift from when the film is with the family at the beginning of the film to the rest of it. Uh, because I, f- I feel it's very... Um, what was the film I thought of in my head? Uh, there was... It's very slapstick and very... It comes across almost as a... Uh, like a... Uh, like a... An episode of The Young Ones? Possibly. But I'm thinking more like the beginning of uh, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or something like that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> where... It feels like an alternate universe, but not in the sense that um, that it's a wizarding world. It feels like an alternate universe in, like, uh, in a. Um, I'm just trying to think of the kids from Willy Wonka. <laughs> Charlie Bucket. Oh, Veruca Salt. Veruca uh, Mike Salt. TV. Where you... Augustus Gloop. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Uh, Violet Beauregard. That got. Yeah, but what do they get? That might have been a bad bad comparison um but this uh sort of larger than life um scenario that doesn't feel as though it belongs in the rest of the film mm. and uh, I, that, I, i'm sure that that comes from the book does it yeah yeah but it's it's difficult to sum up really um it's a lot less comedic and a lot more abusive the way it's conveyed in the book. But it's almost like we've got this, uh, like say, larger than life wizarding world and then the human world that needs to sort of account for it mm. happening. And it, it doesn't feel quite cohesive. I, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. It's almost like it feel like, oh, this is the real world. And, and to make it fit with this magical one, the oddities need to stand out all the more. Yeah. 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 
and I could yeah, never. Yeah, that is to sum up. <laughs> and I could never understand why they're so averse to Harry going away to boarding school. I'm like, yeah, well, you would have thought they want rid of him. Yeah, he does nothing but you know frustrate you and annoy you, and yet you're so mm. determined to keep him in your house. <laughs> like, what? I don't, I don't understand the uh, the motivation of this. Yeah, because he's going to leave in the next few years anyway. Yeah, I, that was that, it. Baffled me, and that that, that was another thing where I thought. <laughs> Just explain this. I can understand. Make him more of a servant, um, mm. uh, which they never particularly do because it's like they're always hesitant to give him jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Because they don't trust him. And he just seems to be a constant thorn in their sight. So it's like, well, they're just dicks. That's yeah, what it comes down it, to. It's, it's purely the case of they don't want him to go because it's something that he'd want to do. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I, I could accept that. Uh, just... Mm. just portrayed a little better uh okay so da, 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 da. they go through a bit of a journey because i really like richard griffiths as uh as an actor and i thought he was perfectly cast to play um Dernan dursley uh, vernon dursley but as the films go go on they get more and more of a reduced role and i'm pretty sure he had a stroke at some point as well because it doesn't surprise me yeah they they very much make the dursleys cameos and make them more comedic. Hmm. Uh, it, it's it, you'll know what what I mean by the time you get to about number five. But it's very odd. Hmm. They should have just cut them all together, frankly. But uh, I've seen I've seen that as a criticism for all the books because apparently all the all the books start out with him with hmm. Harry being back at home. And, yeah, that's usually yeah. the best parts. Him fighting against the system that hates him. No, really, that surprised me. Even hmm. from the second film, I thought this is a. I just felt a bit Force Awakens. <laughs> it's like you're just trying to make everything rhyme uh, to give yourself a starting point. And, um, uh, I, you know, I mean, I don't know how boarding schools work, actually, if, if they force you to go home during the summer. But I figured, well, if they're all staying over Christmas, why have they got to go home during the summer? Uh, Teachers do in their spare time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, like, it's, it's, it's a wizard school surely they've yeah. done it. <laughs> it nothing's moved on because unlike say university you know the lecturers have to constantly do theses and the there's always something new to learn but in magic they're so entrenched in like what happened a thousand years ago the curriculum doesn't change at all mm, mm. so what are the teachers doing over the course of the summer holidays yeah yeah um okay so uh sorting hat sorting hats cool uh, sorting hat I'm going to try and um, compliment things now. So as, as I said at the start, it's an enjoyable children's film. It, it does its job, you know, as, I won't say flawlessly. I was going to say flawlessly. It does. If you don't think about it, it does its job flawlessly. <laughs> if, 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 you, if, if you ignore the flaws, the film is perfect. <laughs> if you're a child and you're happy to go along with the ride, I can understand why, why, you, uh, why they love it as much as they do. Um... As someone who spent a lot of time in King's Cross Station, uh, just mo moseying around, not for any particular reason, uh, it, it, it was nice to see <laughs> it. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba, Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. The first two films, Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, may as well not even be there. Uh, yep. They really don't invest in them at all. Uh, Slytherin, as you say, is <laughs> it's just like, may as well have badges with evil. Yeah, uh, they might as well just have like skulls and maybe two cross desert eagles. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing as well that uh, I mean, maybe I'm uh, I'm reading into it too much, but 
I, I thought it might be cool to have um, the three main uh, uh, characters, Harry, Ron, and uh, Hermione, who for years I thought was H- Hermione, uh, as, Hermione. I'm, as I'm sure many kids did. Um, I, I thought for a second, hmm, are they going to split them up into different houses? This could be quite yeah, an interesting dynamic. Interesting. Mm. Uh, but no, they're all in Gryffindor because they're all no, if... generic protagonist types. Harry Potter tells us that like should be with like, which is funny because that's essentially what Voldemort's hoping to achieve. But Hogwarts is already employing segregation. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the criticisms I saw as well, was that there's no real hero's journey from mm. the very first book oh, to the end of the book. It's dreadful, yeah. Harry just gets lucky. Mm. Harry gets everything handed to him, um, including his ability to defeat evil with the power of love given to him by his mum and stuff like that. Just it, Nothing uh, is earned by harry yeah and i I found myself thinking at points you know is he the original mary sue in some Mm. respects i mean he's not because he doesn't know everything in the sense that you know someone like ray does there's there's a a point where he's in a classroom with uh, snape and snape uh picks on him and Mm. uh and he just kind of sits there and says yeah i I don't know what you're talking about Uh, but aside from that he's pretty much perfect all the time <laughs> pretty much yeah in a lot of ways he he manages to look well, himself out of every scenario he gets into he he looks out of it but it's never because he knows the answers um mm. which i suppose would make him not a mary sue because mary sue's good yeah. at everything and everyone yeah. likes them yeah uh, well that's whereas I mean. harry's just harry's just incredibly lucky <laughs> it's it's a really strange dynamic as well when every single person that he comes into contact with knows who he is mm. and i feel like that makes him seem uh yeah he he's not a mary sue but he has the aura of someone that should be and essentially at the end of the day it's not very often or from the two films i've seen that bad things befall him in a way that uh have lasting consequences Mm. Um. So I, you know, but you know, it, it just rather than it just strikes me as, uh, as I was saying earlier, quite unoriginal writing more than yeah, anything um, else. I don't, I don't yeah, think it's Mary it, it Sue. It is based very much on tropes. And, yeah, I don't and think pre-existing it's law. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's Mary Sue. I just think it's a lack of knowing how to, uh, grow a character, um, via. Um, trials and tribulations that have a lasting impact. Um, just bear with me a second. In this child's book series about eugenics, ultimately that's what it's building towards. <laughs> Brief look inside Dan's daily lifestyle. Ah, the number of times we'd be sitting down to watch a film and we'd be right in the emotional crux of a scene and, oh, no, I'm off there. No, sorry. Hey, hit I'm, back. I'm here. Yeah, there was a knock at the door, but they seemed to have run away. Um, <laughs> Those damn neighbour kids. Damn neighbour kids. They're flaming dog poop bags. Uh, so where were we? Uh, okay, so uh, Sorting uh, Hat. Uh, unoriginal. Unoriginal. No, I, I, I'm going to try and be positive. Um, okay, so... It's a fun frolicking fantasy film for all the family if lord of the rings is a bit too slow and pacey for the kids this helped usher in uh 
fantasy cinema for and and the genre again because it had been a good long while since we'd had fantasy films. Yeah, it was all sci-fi and horror, but mainly it was sci-fi dominating television. And then you had Buffy sort of introducing it back into the lexicon, and then the one-two punch of Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings the same Christmas. It did bring the genre back in big style, and we've not really done anything too much with it since, which is a shame. Mm. Yeah, sorry, no, I'm just going through the story. I was going to pick out bits and pieces as I'm going through the uh, the story. Uh, but no, you, you're absolutely right. Um, so yeah, Harry becomes the seeker of the Quidditch team, uh, which again is another one of those things. I've been like, mm. you really? Everything it, just happens to him. There's no reason for him to be the best seeker on the team. No. And you would think that, I mean, granted, J.K. Rowling never knew as she was writing the first book that it would span into all these books. So you can forgive her for not thinking too far ahead. But that would have been a nice arc over uh, over a couple of books, uh, you know, to, to have been watching from the sidelines and then enter this. You know, it, it feels more like an, uh, a stage of adulthood, really, to, yeah. to, to enter the the um, the domain of the. Uh, older kids um but yeah (laughs) it's like uh, one of the first ever first year students to become a seeker and it's like oh yeah well i don't know i I mean i suppose i'll I'll do it yeah sure and then he He never loses a game yeah oh and is immensely wealthy as well let's Mm. not forget that all the canuts and the shekels (laughs) uh so Uh, discover a three-headed dog named Fluffy. Fluffy. Uh, ba, ba, ba. Why does Ron need to be on the night piece in order to play the chess game? Yeah, I I wondered that too. I couldn't understand it. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I've got to I've got to sacrifice myself. I'm like, just get off the horse. <laughs> stand next to the horse. <laughs> At any point. Or stand under the horse. If you've got to be on the piece, you can just stand on the, the leg or something. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's like, no, sacrifice me. Execute me. Okay, whatever. How did, how did Quirrell do it then? Yeah, good question. <laughs> Quirrell managed to get it. Who the, who the hell knows, man? Uh, bottled Phoenix Tears. <laughs> so the children later find out that Fluffy's guarding the Philosopher's Stone... An object that has the power to turn any metal into gold. Harry suspected Snape. Something. Now, I appreciate that they want to. Oh wait, no, is this the first film or the second film? That's yep. a, that's, that's the second film. I'm thinking of where, uh, um, not Dumbledore. Not Dumbledore. What's his name? Quirrell Hagrid. Hagrid. That's the one. Um. They're the only two I know the names of. <laughs> <laughs> where, where Hagrid Hagrid gets arrested. That's the second film. Yep. Okay. Um. No, that's fine. That's fine. Uh. Yep. Yeah, chess game. Uh. Which is you know a credit to it. It uh introduces kids to chess, which is great. Um. And then it just falls off a cliff. As uh, seems to be mm-hmm. a in the two films I've seen, a bit of a tradition. Uh, after getting past the tires, I discovers that it was the Defence Against a Dark Arts teacher. Who else would it be? Um, Snape? <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, we're following the tropes here, Matt, with the tropes of misdirection. 
uh, it would have been more original for it actually to have been Snape at this point. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, so obvious that we didn't even think about it. Yeah, yeah, it's clearly... But, again, so it is uh, Quirrell, but this does a Frozen, and I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, where mm, it has a moment... A moment. Yeah, exactly, where the camera is on him and there's no one else in mm-hmm. the room, and it's incredibly dishonest... Uh, filmmaking and storytelling to have the uh to have the villain make an expression that is true to their alter ego character but not who they actually are Um, yeah it's incongruous with the the narrative threads yeah it's 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 cheap and Mm. i didn't like that um but yeah he's the big bad and he removes his turban and voldemort lives on the back of his head it would have made more sense if he was an unwilling host i thought that yeah. yeah, like the, the whole troll in the dungeon part. What was he aiming to achieve? It. Uh, uh, I guess it was so he. Oh, it was so he could sneak into the, the, Fluffy's room, wasn't it? I guess, but, but he's there in the bathroom when they finally defeated the troll. So, that clearly wasn't his aim at all. I can't remember. They do ex- explain it. Yeah. He just something along the lines of yes, I was the one that released the troll, yeah. and then there's an awkward pause, and then he moves on to another thing. <laughs> we should we should just rename these sections "shitting on all your favourite films." <laughs> <laughs> if you like Harry Potter, then you are a retard. <laughs> um, no, it is. It's just a shame that it is perfectly serviceable in every in every way, and that can kind of sum it up for me. Uh, mm. And and but it's more interesting to rip apart the. I mean, that's that's just you know how I how I deal with things. Yeah, in, in more general, interesting. It's more yeah, but it yeah. So okay, well let's go through the final bit of the film and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up with this. Uh, Harry Harry recovers in the school's hospital wing. Dumbledore. That's another thing that that bothers me with this type of film. It's like there are only three three kids, four kids. It's like there are only four kids in the entire yeah school. in the entire school. It's... <laughs> And I got so annoyed at the end scene where where Slytherin wins the year with the number of points. And then sheer hard work and study. And then Dumbledore's just like, psych bitches. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give Harry, Ron and Hermione just like random points. Just you know, because because of friendship and love, and because <laughs> because they break the rules and go gallivanting yeah. in the dungeons and things. It's like this is ridiculous, Dumbledore. They broke all the rules, <laughs> and for that they'll be rewarded. They must, it, again, it reminds me of that Simpson episode where it's like, and in the end they were saved by oh I don't know <laughs> Mo, and that's Dumbledore's attitude for the the points awarded at the end. One of my all time favorite Simpsons moments that uh, and Simpsons episodes. Yeah, and I just found myself getting progressively more and more after enjoying mm. myself for so long and thinking it's a kids' film. Let it, let it wash, let it wash. The end just tipped me over the edge, and then all of the uh, bad points were just like, no, you know what? I am going to pick up on all this shit because it's lazy. It is lazy storytelling. Wait a minute, I've I've just thought about it. He he specifically says, you know, like twenty points to Ronald Weasley for the best game of wizarding chess I've ever seen, and it's like. So you were watching. <laughs> you you could see the chess match. Why didn't you help? <laughs> You're like a triple S rank wizard. Why the fuck? 
<laughs> Did you send these three kids to fight the demon man? I don't understand that. It's also like he's, he's, he's doing the maths in his head. He's thinking, right. <laughs> Making it up as he goes, Honk. How many points have Slytherin got now? <laughs> Seven points to Harry. <laughs> it's like, I need them to be over by one. <laughs> so, eight. <laughs> They're like, if that makes it a draw, I'm not. I say seven, I meant eight. <laughs> oh, dear me. Um, so, yeah, that is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone. And, yeah, we've said it a dozen times. It is perfectly enjoyable if you don't think about it too much. Um, I hate the end of it. I think it's stupid. We're going to talk more about hating the end of it in uh, in uh, in Chamber of Secrets uh, in a second. Um, it is two hours into the stream. I need a bathroom break. Would you like me to leave you to talk about something? Or shall I, I don't know, put something on to entertain the... Put something on. I'll uh, I'll put my laptop on charge for the two minute break. That is a good call. And hope it doesn't mess with the audio. That is a very good call. Right. Um, this is our house band, the mm. shit. Um, Matt, you've got uh, from the albums. You got this is shit. Uh, the shit hits the fan. General Ulysses S Hospital. Hillbilly Joel. Slef Portrait. Christmas Apocalypse. Holy shit or the shit movie. I think we should start with This Is Shit, and then if we need another break after Harry Potter 2, it'll be The Shit Hits The Fan. Oh, very good. Right, I will load these up. Okay. And we will be back in two minutes. Wait, no, we won't. Bear with me. Oh, God, Matt's buzzing. And charging. Oh, God, Matt's buzzing. Okay. There we go. I didn't know how, so I'll just plug myself back again. Hi, this is Chuck Norris. Nothing right, we hit the streets when it's after dark. Looking for some trouble and for fun. Just the boys walking down your street We're calling off a dinner roll them all Things may come and things may go But we won't go away This is not warning, it's a threat No crowd, you're walking lots of kitty You're not even the crowd It's just against the world you lose Wait, off the set Wait, off the set Oh, pussies on your bench on my body You climb my bed Make me want to pee, but just go Marijuana, cocaine, heroin. You can make us go to jail if we take a bunch of pills and we can't get up with your house. Cause we can never come up from the city hall to the fist with some pills and we never left the couch. The first was the cop, us was cops, us was cops, us was the cops, what the fuck? Us was the cops, us was cops, us was cops, us was the cops, what the fuck? 
And we are back. It'll help if I unmute myself. Okay. <laughs> and let's get rid of that. And then get rid of that. And get rid of that. Hello, everybody, once again. Uh, apologies for the interruption. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Right. We are now moving on to Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. What are your recollections of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Mr. Matt? I like the overall story. There's a mystery. Something is brutally maiming a lot of students, and it's up to our plucky, bland, bland, yeah, <laughs> our plucky yet bland collection of heroes to, uh, to suss it all out. Um, they introduce some good things in this book. Uh, one of them is definitely not Dobby the House Elf, who is as irritating in execution as you can imagine. Which is a shame, because I absolutely adore Toby Jones. Um, he's one of my favourite actors, and he can do no wrong. Oh, of course, Toby Jones. Dob yeah, it's it's terrible. The CGI is as bad as the voice. He's grating. Um, so uh, that's not so good. Uh, but Jason Isaac is in it, so that sort of counterbalances. Uh, we've got a much better CGI monster at the end than Voldemort's back of the head potato man um what else what else what else um we've got the monster spider fight that's pretty good and surprisingly um intense for a children focused movie we've got flying cars we get the whomping willow we get uh, the term mudblood to add to the pantheon of racial slurs what that, else? That, that did occur to me actually. I thought, is this is this something you really want to introduce into uh, yeah, the concept of, of racial slurs? And I mean, it, it makes sense, you know, the aristocratic wizarding world. Why not racists? Um, I, I'm just surprised that it's a term that hasn't, if, caught on. you know, yeah, exactly. It's so tailor made. Um, what else can I sum up in this segment in a few minutes? So yeah, it's got giant snakes. It's got death and maiming it's got giant spiders it's got toby jones albeit horrible um uh, other random thoughts gilderoy lockhart um is meant to be this debonair heartthrob that you know young girls and and mums and grandmas instantly fall in love with and kenneth brandon seems such an odd choice to play him he he covers the sort of like suave smarmy aspect of it but in terms of heartthrob you know if you cast someone like say chris evans in the role it would make perfect sense but not a middle-aged man <laughs> yeah um yeah very, very odd um we extend the weasley family so we uh we get to see a bit of oh what's the name the 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 burrow i think it's called um and we're introduced to molly weasley and Oh, God, what is the name of the father? Arthur. Arthur Weasley. Um, I forget the name of the actor, that fantastic chap from The Fast Show. Absolutely mm. love him mm. uh, in this. Uh, I like all the Weasleys. Uh, Draco continues to be a dick. Um, we see children belching up slugs, which is, you know, ties into my body horror love. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it takes all the elements of the first book, builds on them. We're not talking in a sort of... Uh, the Empire Strikes Back building on a new hope, but the world has been established. <laughs> We're layering onto it. It's essentially the same thing, but bigger and better. It's it's the aliens of the uh, the Harry Potter franchise in that regard. So there's a lot to like. Um, and again, I thought going into it the second time round, 
it wouldn't hold up because I liked it a lot as a kid. It was one of my favorite books. Um, a lot of people shit on it and call it the worst of all of the films, which I find really surprising. It's just but a I'm... direct continuation of the first film, so I don't know how that yeah. can be the case. Yeah, it's very strange. But um, yeah, I really like Chamber of Secrets. It's it's one of my favorites. It's not without its problems. A lot of them similar to the uh, the first movie's problems. But overall, I think it works really well. And it clocks in at just shy of... Three hours. Three hours, yeah. And again, they do a pretty good job of, for the most part, faithfully adapting it from book to screen. So, yeah. Off the top of my head, those are my immediate thoughts. How about yourself? Um, I think it's too long. I <laughs> think, um, you know, it, it. well, similar to, similar to the first film, really. Uh, I, I think it is too long. And I know for purists such as yourself, that'll be um heresy to say but i do think... oh, no 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 no. we'll we'll get into this come the fourth and fifth films but um i don't mind edits when they're done well yeah i didn't really mention it too much in my criticisms of the first film but this film i definitely felt that there are elements of this that could be um cut and mm. you wouldn't notice a single jot to the to the flow of the film you could have got it to a, a nice round two hours and it wouldn't have expanded on the world as much, but it would have been a more concise film, and uh, and I think it would have been the better for it. Um, you like just off the top of my head, uh, you mentioned Kenneth Branagh, who is at the end of the day superfluous to literally everything. He doesn't have any impact in the main narrative, and um, aside from just to be there. And I think that's yeah. that's something that that you that you can get away with in a book, to add this world building. But um, for a film, it was incredibly pointless. Um, yeah, he didn't yeah. he didn't offer a single thing to uh, to anything in the in the entire narrative. Um, you don't think he's going to be a surprise villain? I mean, you get a few jokes out of it. You know, there's clearly clearly a bumbling buffoon who's putting on airs, and you get things like the the bones in Harry's arm being dissolved because he tries the wrong spell. Yeah, that's a um, that's a that's a good uh that's a good gag. I, I did I yeah. did enjoy that. But there's no reason why you couldn't have had a bumbling teacher that was already there rather than trying to paint him out to be uh you know, key to proceedings. And he isn't. They could have done that with Hagrid, because we know that he's got a wand in his umbrella and he gets carted off after that, doesn't he? I think Hagrid gets arrested in the final third of the movie so they could have had him trying to help harry and maims a student and that could have tied in you know with the fact that oh hagrid's got a past of being involved with the injury and the horrific maiming of students yeah. so it's just one more case to add against him absolutely that's actually a great rewrite I, yeah i like that um i agree with what you say about kenneth Branagh. i'm not as offended because i think they wanted as much as shakespearean Mm-hmm. Um, uh, dramatic tendencies as much as yeah. anything else uh, but again there are a few shots in the film where uh, they have the young girls all swooning over him and you're yeah. like oh this is a bit <laughs> this is a bit close to the bone boarding school uh, you know um, I just love middle aged men with bowl haircuts yeah uh, and it felt as though it's funny you mentioned um, what was his name? I 
Mine's gone. Jason Isaacs? No, uh, from uh, uh, Bottom. Um, oh, Rick Mail. Rick Mail. It's funny you mentioned. played by Alec Rickman. It's funny, yeah, it's funny you mentioned Rick Mail because I thought initially what they were trying to do was a uh, Lionheart from mm. uh, from Blackadder. <laughs> is it Lionheart? I think uh, it's Flashheart. Flashheart. Flash excuse me, Flashheart. <laughs> um, yeah, Flash. Flashheart from Blackadder. I thought that's what they were going for, and mm. it is. It's a bit. It's not as committed as that, uh, but that would have been worthwhile. Um, yeah, just really make the character more bombastic i'm pretty sure in the books he's he's not really got too many more scenes pretty much what you see is what you read yeah so yeah um but okay so let's let's start from the beginning um i appreciated that it more or less continues on from the first film that's something mm-hmm. i i do enjoy uh you know that that feeling of continuity yeah uh, the total consistency hmm even if it is back at the Dursleys that, again, it just doesn't make much tonal sense with the rest of the film. Uh, I enjoyed the Weasleys uh, immensely. I agree with you. I think my, the Weasleys, that section with the Weasleys is probably my favourite part in both films so far, really. I I, 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 I am charmed by them. And, mm. uh, and I think... They're just such lovely people. You want to spend time with them. Yeah, and... It's one of the social commentaries. Um, in fact, it's probably probably like the only social commentary that I think that so that J.K. Rowling's nailed so far is is the mother. I thought the the mother is so expertly portrayed as you know mm. you shout at your own kids, but <laughs> but you don't <laughs> shout at at, at, uh, at, at their friends, and yeah. that's a nice little nod to. Um, that. I'd love to see you, Harry. Not yeah. you, of course. <laughs> That's, that's very quintessentially English, and uh, I, I enjoyed that immensely. Um, <laughs> a lot of what they did with magic with the Weasleys as well, I, I thought was refreshing and original, and um, was that originality that I was looking for mm. um, from the first film. A nice little bit of comedy where Harry doesn't say the words right and ends up somewhere mm-hmm. else. Diagonally, it's the way he said it as well. Yeah, <laughs> and no one thinks to go looking for him. They know what he said. They could have easily just gone, "Okay, I'll go get him." Diagonally, boom! <laughs> it's like, no, 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 it's fine. We'll leave him in Nocturne Alley with the meth peddlers and the skinheads. And then uh, just comes across Hagrid. It's like it's Hagrid. Do you often just go <laughs> lurching around back alleys? And you always see it's another one of those things of Harry gets out of a situation just by sheer look of someone else dragging him out of it. Yep. Um, okay, so, uh, da, 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 da. oh, we skipped past Dobby. Dobby's incredibly annoying. Oh, God, he, I, I hate it so much. He, again, and the comedy at the beginning was another one of those projected things that I, I just mm-hmm. thought, we know exactly what's going to happen. Try and do something interesting with it. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not, it's not hard. Well, I mean, obviously it is hard, but to me, it isn't. It isn't shouldn't be a chore to think. I need to come up with a way that's going to create um, conflict without following the most obvious beats. And yeah, it if just they really wanted it. They could have had Dobby apparates um, Harry in front of the the guest and makes him motorboard his wife. <laughs> that would have done it. 
But no, we've got to have this whole protracted thing with, oh no, not the cake. Yeah, and Harry's, for some ridiculous reason, following behind the cake with his hands out like yeah. that. Did you notice that? Oh. Yes. <laughs> it's so late. What was he hoping to achieve? Like, if he actually managed to grab the cake, what was he hoping to do? I don't know. Do not know. But did you notice it was Chancellor Valorum? Was it really? Yeah, Chancellor Valorum was the guest that the Dursleys had over. So it must have been fresh off of his uh, his fail and being uh, voted out of the Senate on no confidence run. Oh, that is cool. And then look what happens. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, all Palpatine. I didn't notice that. That's very cool. Um, yeah, so that frustrated me. And then that just made me hate Dobby um, even more. And uh, I feel as though the portrayal of, of, of Dobby um, is just... I, th- I feel like I was confused. I don't really know. Well, I I, I kind of I, I I know what they were going for, but I don't feel as though it was executed as as well as it should have been. It's never been well executed. Uh, the the book that's exactly how he comes across. Uh, Stephen Fry's uh, when did Stephen Fry record the audio? It must have been the early two thousand. So before Toby Jones even cast him, that was the voice that Stephen Fry was using for him. Mm. So pretty much conceptually that is Dobby as written and as previously portrayed so it just seems like a, a Smeagol ripoff really but um, yeah. m- more detestable <laughs> yeah if you went the other way and it was like you've shunned me too many times Mr. Potter and then he goes bat wings and you know like <laughs> mauls Dudley <laughs> but no he's just squeaky and irritating and an allegory for slavery yeah so we find out at the end that he is um, the servant of uh, Malfoy. Um, what's his name? Lucius. Lucius Malfoy. Uh, which is he tries like... to kill a child. It must be. Uh, it must be stated on school property. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in front of witnesses, no less. He's about to cast the killing curse right in front of Harry Potter's face. <laughs> and then he's. And then he's. Uh... Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll get to that. Mm. Um. But yeah, so Dobby's Dobby's something that could have been good that was executed poorly, and um, yeah. and of course his influence is felt because Dobby's the one that stops Harry from getting uh, onto the platform at okay. King's Cross, which means they have to get a flying car, um, which is uh, um, you know again I'm trying not to be critical. This it's one of the things where you can see the cogs whirring in a writer's mind and thinking, I don't just want them to get on the train again because we've already done that and mm. there's nothing new I want to bring to the situation. Uh, so I'll have them getting in a flying car. Uh, they said establish the car earlier. It was yeah, still kind true. of pointless. But... Uh, yeah, that's true. But again, it, it's a generic set piece, mm. uh, flying, they come across a train, um, and then I felt that the battle with the tree was overboard. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, the the tree comes into it in the third book. Um, but yeah, the Whomping Willow is just one of those set pieces. Do they explain why the car has sentience? Uh, they just say it's gone feral, don't they? But yeah. the car wasn't... So- oh no, it kicks them out, doesn't it? I forget it, it that. It kicks yeah. them out and then it just runs off. Yeah, no, they don't explain that. Maybe it was once human. Yeah. (laughs) A flying human, and for breaking the rules of gravity, they cursed him by turning him into a car, 
but they didn't strip him of the rule of gravity so that he could, you know, continue to dwell on what he had wrought. <laughs> Goddamn chitty chitty bang bang wannabes. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, so yeah, they get to school and they're... Uh, okay, so this glosses over them being told off. They don't even get told. No, they they get detention, don't they? Don't they have to spend time with Snape in detention? Yeah, or they have points deducted after her crashing oh, and breaking. No. Oh, they received detention. Sorry, yeah, I've skipped over. Don't they also get? Uh, doesn't Maggie Smith's character sort of excuse him from it though, or something? She's, I don't know, whatever. Dumbledore probably does it. Yeah. So, um, in detention, Harry hears strange voices. And later finds uh, caretaker Argus Filch's cat, Mrs. Norris, petrified beside a message written in blood. That's another thing that that annoyed me. It's just like either commit to the bit and kill them, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or or don't. But no, no, they're petrified, which means they kind of uh, been frozen into uh, stasis. What is the um, the the creature that is stalking the castle grounds? Okay, it's it's petrifying these people and things, but. It's not eating them. Yeah, yeah. So what is the point? <laughs> and uh, like you were saying earlier, I, I was quite intrigued by the mystery that um, that was set out from this point. I thought, oh, that's actually pretty pretty interesting. There's this random creature that is never particularly nailed down as to what it is. It's just mm. they, they, they say it's a monster, but that gives great you know leeway for what it might actually be. Just saying something's a monster doesn't necessarily make it so. And I thought that was really intriguing. And Jimmy Savile. <laughs> well, pre- precisely. And then they introduced the law of uh, Salazar Slytherin. Um, the Chamber of Secrets has been opened. Enemies of the air, beware. And um, just while I'm thinking about it now, the Chamber of Secrets, because it's so infused in the Harry, you know, Harry, po- Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, it was something I never really considered. Uh, it's like with this... I don't know about you, but this the names of the Star Wars films. It's like uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And I'd heard it so many times that the concept of The Empire Striking Back is almost becomes, um, you know... The words lose all meaning. The words lose all meaning, absolutely. Mm. And The Chamber of Secrets was another one of those things that I'd just heard so many times. Like it, it lost all meaning as to what it was. And then it was only when I, when I was watching the film, I thought, God, this chamber better be better be something special. <laughs> you know it's a chamber but it has secrets so it's not just one secret it has a multitude of secrets that must be you know pretty pretty good shit um and, and that was a disappointment but we'll get to that later it depends how much you enjoy monsters <laughs> there could have been more secrets in there but they were too busy dealing with the one main threat well it's just i suppose when i heard chamber of secrets i think my my thought was like a is it a library, a library of information? The, um, you know, the that explains Harry um, Potter and the Library of Information. <laughs> well, but, but but you know what I mean. A, a chamber yeah. of secrets. It's like a library of Alexandria, where you've got yeah. all this um, ancient knowledge that that has been uh, stored. I think it it's, it's, it gives it a tangibility um, mm. for something that's quite vague and mystical, and uh, what it ends up being i was so disappointed that, that you know everyone's going about the chamber of secrets and this mysterious chamber of secrets that was locked away it's just a, it's just like a cave with some snake statues and a yeah snake 
<laughs> well, why don't you call it Harry Potter and the <laughs> Harry Potter and the Snake Room? Yeah, the Snake Room. <laughs> <laughs> I know the title of this episode. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much what it is. It's incredibly yeah, disappointing. Okay. Uh, thought about that. So uh, they suspect uh, that Malfoy is the heir that has been spoken about because he's evil. Yeah, and, why uh, wouldn't he be by this point? And you're right, they introduced uh, Jason Isaacs as his father earlier. Uh, in Another thing I meant to bring up in the first movie, where's, hmm. ha- where's, where's Harry getting all of his money from to, to buy all this what looks like highly expensive wizarding equipment? Yeah, it's ridiculously expensive. Um, well, I suppose he's got the bank with all his money, but he doesn't have like a bottomless purse. Mm. It, they just say Harry Potter has money, but they have no credit cards or transfer details. So unless he's literally lugging oh, the is... currency around, or you can magic it in and out of the bank, is that explained in the film? I must have missed that. Where he's got? Uh, where, where does his wealth yeah, come from? Where... Um, his parents. Okay, all right. Okay. They weren't particularly rich. They were auras, but that's not a high earner. Mm. Um, but I guess he's a young child that has a huge severance package, and you know, when you're a kid, a five pound note seems like a lot of money. Yeah. So it might have only been like two thousand pounds, but <laughs> to an impressionable eleven year old. <laughs> okay, uh, but, 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 but yeah, Jason Isaacs is amazing. I meant to say that earlier. Uh, one of the best parts of the film. Okay, so Quidditch is back. Harry breaks his arm. <laughs> Better than ever. Yeah. Uh, visiting him in the infirmary, infirmary. Dobby's back. He's as annoying as ever. Tries to force him out of the school. Harry communicates with the snake. Um, that is an interesting development. Harry communicating with the snake. Um, what was it? There was something about it at the time. Oh yeah, how, how the kid just has a go at Harry. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's what Voldemort did, uh, and and then it's like, whoa, 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 hang on, I killed the guy. <laughs> you know, I'm not exactly legal. I killed him as a baby. <laughs> no love lost between us. But um, I don't know. There's more racially charged stuff for the Harry Potter universe. Mm. Inbuilt xenophobia and racism. Um, so yeah, Harry can communicate with snakes. What was I going to say about that? Uh, it's a nice little bit of, um, continuity with the first film, which I appreciated. Mm. Uh, I felt, um, that, that's what I wanted to say. And then we get into the bit where I thought you could have, um, Okay, no, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. So Harry finds an enchanted diary owned by a former student, Tom Riddle. I got in, I got confused by the Tom Riddle thing. Is that just me or? No, I remember as a kid it threw me, not as a thirty-year-old. But so he's like a former student, but he's yeah. he he's put himself, he's put his memory in a book, and he idolizes, um, uh, what's his face, um, what's the Dark Lord. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's he's put himself in a book so that anyone who comes across this book will be brainwashed by the story that he tells. Um, well, not to go into too much detail from um, upcoming events, but 
um he, he is essentially an essence of Voldemort's soul so it's like one chunk of Voldemort living in spiritual form he's, he's like an evil enchantment was so was he a real person before that or was he conjured up oh, yeah yeah he, he was he is Lord Voldemort just when he was a student so it's that aspect of his personality sort of ripped out and oh, I see into an object so it is literally Voldemort okay yeah he's literally Voldemort right okay uh yeah that that makes that makes most I I yeah um right so da, 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 and he's in this book and we see in this diary and Harry follows him and okay so this is the part where I kind of found myself thinking um you could chop and it's the bit with Harry and the spider because again <gasps> I know spiders well I knew you I knew you'd say that but it, I know where you're coming from though it is it adds it adds so the narrative's going this way and we just get a total deviation this way that goes for however long it goes on for and it mm. comes up with nothing. It, yeah. It felt like the part in Uncharted 3 where you go on the cruise ship. And, and if you look at it objectively, you're thinking, well, what has that accomplished? That has accomplished absolutely nothing. Yeah. Because you could argue that it's to clear Hagrid's name. Because if you can't trust the word of a giant spider that then tries to kill you, <laughs> who can you trust? But Tom Riddle confesses to the crime anyway. And it's not like they put Aragog on trial later on and goes, yes, I concur. I... Yeah. It was never Hagrid, so yeah, it achieves nothing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I, I felt that at the time. Mm. I, I felt as going down, as soon as the spider says, no, it's nothing to do with me, I thought, well... <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> and then and then he, he's like, I can protect Hagrid, but I can't protect you. And it's just like, oh, this has just been... The entire thing's been built for this set piece. <laughs> You've given him Bane's voice. It's brilliant. <laughs> I'm not prepared for. I'm not uh, Sean Connery enough for, uh, <laughs> for, for it to be the main voice. Uh, although I did get a great laugh out of when they think. <clears throat> so they they escape the spiders, and Harry and Ron think that they are free, and then <laughs> and then this spider appears behind Ron and just gets him by the throat and starts shaking him around. I laughed so hard. <laughs> because I expected there to still be glass in the window <laughs> and when there's not and it just anyway um, so yeah that's a complete waste of time they could have put that on the cutting room floor in my personal opinion um, but I completely disagree because anything like that I'm spiders. spiders and traumatic children's imagery just like the adventures of Tom Sawyer yeah uh, when does Hermione get petrified is that before um, this or after this? It's before, isn't it? Because otherwise she would have followed them into the forest of living nightmares. Yeah, I thought that was actually... Which is right on school property grounds. Um, Of course, yeah. I've skipped over a lot of the film. Colin Creevy, Hermione, even uh, moaning, nearly had to stick. Moaning Myrtle is in there. Um, uh, yeah, I think I was really surprised. Obviously... With with hindsight and uh, the star that Emma Watson's become and how the franchise has gone, um, it strikes me now as quite a ballsy move to chop out the film for a, f a full third of the movie. Yeah, really. they that is a mistake that they will rectify 
um, from the third film moving on, which is a shame because um, they take away a lot of Ron's character and urgency and character strengths and give them all to Hermione. Yeah, that doesn't surprise at me. At the detriment of his own character, um, you know, that sort of make him weak to make her look stronger. And it's a damn shame because Ron is the best friend and uh, and there's a moment in the third book and well, a moment in the third book when they're facing a a gruesome death essentially this threat that wants to get to harry and ron's the one that steps up and goes if you want harry you've got to go through me and they change it to hermione saying that role so that ron can literally whimper in the corner <sighs> and it's really frustrating really frustrating because hermione's got her own stuff you don't need to detract from ron who's with harry till the end you know mm. 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 yeah that that doesn't surprise me unfortunately um emma watson definitely came out of these films as the biggest star out of all of them so it didn't make mm. sense that they would position her as uh as you know the secondary star as it were um okay so let's f- uh, fast forward to the end of well we've kind of really already done the end um yeah yeah, uh, what you find, they go to. Do they run into Gilderoy Lockhart, or they? No, they go to Gilderoy Lockhart because they need an adult. They need um, the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher who he, he built his reputation on being a monster slayer, essentially, didn't he? All these fantastic feats and amazing things that he's achieved, um, and it turns out that he's he's a hack, but he's really good at memory enchantments. So um, they managed to get the drop on him, take his wand away, and for some reason, force him to go along with them into into the chamber, which is hidden beneath the girl's bathroom, the mm. haunted girl's bathroom. Um, and then he tries to get the slip on them. Ron's got a broken wand from the running with the Whomping Willow at the beginning of the film. And uh, Gildor tries to cast the forget-me-not spell on them, and it backfires and erases his memory, leaving just the uh, the two kids to, uh, to fend for themselves and- because they can't leave. Gildroy by himself, Ron has to stay behind as well. So it's up to Harry to enter the chamber alone, just like in the last film. And that that gag is projected like half an hour before it's even made with the well, two hours I suppose, with the you know the backfires on him. Um, if you can't see that one coming, then heaven help you. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's set up a payoff at least. They you know, have like, a payoff. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, we'll give that. At least com- they set it up. It didn't just. He wasn't magically holding it the wrong way round. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, they enter the chamber, and uh, Ron's sister is—excuse me—is the catalyst for all of this taking place. It turns out because something, something, something. She reads the diary. Oh, she was slipped and, the diary by the Malfoys. Yeah, and so she's the one that's um, painting all this stuff on the walls. I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is another thing that frustrated me about uh, about this film. So everyone that was petrified, they were petrified through objects. Mm-hmm. So if the snake looks at you, it will kill you if it gets eye contact. But the just so happens, conveniently, that every <laughs> single thing that, uh, that, that was petrified in this film that came across this snake... Um, came into contact with its eyes through a transparent surface of some sort. Yeah. And I was like, that's bullshit. 
But at the same time, bravo. (laughs) (laughs) Every single one of them. It's like, oh, he saw his eyes through the reflection of the water. And I'm like, oh. And this one saw his eyes through through glass. And this one saw his eyes through... uh, A ghost. A ghost, of course. Yeah, a ghost. That's the other one. And I'm like, oh, gosh. I wouldn't have... Just kill one of them. That's fine. Yeah. You know, Maybe don't get one. It gets one shot a night, and then it's like, ah, oh, damn it! Now I have to go back to the chamber. <laughs> exactly. He could literally, if he like crawls into a dorm room, so like everyone's dead. <laughs> Imagine know? if it was like, um, so it's literally Malfoy going around with a gun, but he only loads up with one bullet, <laughs> and he fires, and it, you know, it ricochets and knocks him out, but it doesn't kill it. It's like, damn it! Now I've got to go back to my house and get another <laughs> bullet. I'll try again tomorrow. That's essentially the basilisk's <laughs> method of uh, of going about it. It's one job. Ugh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Incredibly um uh disorganized and inefficient. Uh right. So yeah, and then Harry gets into a fight with it and this Phoenix, we haven't even mentioned the Phoenix. Harry gets into a fight with Harry it. Harry gets into a fight with the snake because <laughs> that's what he does. And uh yeah, snakes and... the size of the Hindenburg. Yeah, but this magic Phoenix comes and pretty, pretty, pretty easy, pretty easily, pretty effectively, just claws its eyes out. And then uh, I love the exposition. I think Tom Riddle says, "Now it's now it's blind" or something like that. I'm like, oh well, that's convenient. <laughs> it's up there with that line from Iron Man, the one really terrible line in the movie, where um, what's his name, uh, Obadiah Stane says, "You knocked out my guidance system, Tony." <laughs> it's just. <laughs> So terrible. <laughs> it, it is pretty much one for one with that. Uh, mm. Now you've knocked out the guidance system of my snake's face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty much what it's done. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there's there's a bit of a cool moment where Harry's trying to avoid this blind snake. Uh, and then just shit lets loose and uh, we, have all the, we have all the deus ex machinas you can think of because... Uh, the uh, phoenix has got the uh, the sorting hat, and did you know that the sorting hat? Did you know that the sorting hat also uh, substituted as Mary Poppins's bag? Because it, uh, it's not just that, but it gives you the thing that you most need. And Harry doesn't think of like a bazooka or something like that. It's like <laughs> no a sword. I want to fight this thing, you know, like a man, <laughs> hand to hand. Give me a sword. Why not? An- Anti snake spray. Yeah. <laughs> A nuke, like in Wonder Woman eighty four. <laughs> Just, I want more nukes. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so he he fights the snake with this sword, and he nearly dies. But don't worry, children, because uh, as we were saying earlier, Phoenix Tears have the magical ability to just heal any wound, which is something that would be really useful later on in the series. I, I can imagine. And so everything's fine and everything's good. And um, this film actually one-ups the last film with regards <laughs> to its ending. And uh, and all the children being sat in the uh, mess hall. Because in the last film, Dumbledore gave uh, the three only students in the entire school extra points. But um, it turns out that, uh, that Hagrid is very special. Very special indeed. And so uh, he, he comes walking through the hall and he gets a round of applause and 
everyone starts bursting into tears because he was in jail and now he's not in jail and uh, he approaches Harry because he's the only child in that, that entire school that he cares <laughs> about and <laughs> everyone else yeah, well, Harry's sitting alone at the Gryffindor table <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's throwing their hats up in the air and cheering for this guy that only pays attention to three kids in the entire school and well, while he's busy grooming those three, he's not, you know, grooming the rest of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they're cheering, because they're just delighted they aren't being groomed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think Hagrid was arrested? It's like, we can't get him on the sexual charges. <laughs> We're going to have to try and get him on the giant spider charges. <laughs> just like Al Capone. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, so I felt that was uh, more egregious, even possibly than the first film. Really, yes, it's the like, first film's and, ridiculousness. And twenty points to Gryffindor for surmounting the best legal defense of any magician <laughs> in the history of magical law. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, Hagrid is is pretty much just, he may as well be a janitor. He just he, yeah, he essentially he, is. Yeah. He, yeah, exactly. He lives it's in Willy. He lives in a small hut just uh just outside the school. He only seems to pay attention to Harry. And yet all these kids feel the need to give him a round of applause because he's not in jail. I'd be seriously disturbed yeah. if uh, if the groundskeeper just come out of jail and was sauntering through the mess hall. <laughs> and all he around. does is introduce dangerous animals. The first film it was dragons and Cerberus. Mm. Uh this film it's giant spiders and the potential of a basilisk. Um, and it just essentially keeps escalating for the next three um, movies and books as to just what fucked up thing will Hagrid bring onto the grounds next? Yeah, that's no surprise. And um, as we were saying as well, there's the uh, moment with Lucius where Lucius nearly... Is it Lucius? Is that yeah. Right? Yeah, where he nearly commits murder. Um, on just because he lost a servant, on one of many. Grounds. And um, as was customary in... Uh, the United States during the slave trade. Uh, if you give your slave uh, your slave a piece of your clothing, uh, they become free. Uh, which is, I mean, everyone knows that, don't they? Absolutely. The Emancipation Proclamation was uh, complete folly. Yeah, that 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 was the first line. In the Emancipation Proclamation <laughs> was, if you <laughs> give your slave a sock, they go free. Um, <laughs> well, you know what they say. You know, give it, give a man a sock and he'll go free. Teach him how to weave socks and he'll free his people. <laughs> so, socks for everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, could Dobby technically just enlist a load of house elves now and give them clothing? Possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what counts as clothing? Shit, we completely forgot a we completely forgot another key aspect, which is Harry stabs a diary with the uh, basilisk. Fang. Oh yeah, of course he stabs that diary good, and then it bleeds ink, right. and Ginny is cured. Yeah, that was another thing that made me want to claw out my own eyes. Um, and just it's levels upon levels of bullshitting for, uh, for, for <laughs> you would love this series for, for defeating its nemesis. Uh, as, I, as I said earlier, it gets so much right for. Uh, for most of the film, are you happy to just let things slide and think, this is fun, I'm enjoying this, and then the ending comes and you just think, what's the point? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happier with it because, you know me, I like my monsters. I'm a man who loves a beast streak more than anything else in his media, so 
a, a giant basilisk snake serpent. You know, I'm, I'm happy to go with that. And, and it was an animatronic for the most part. It's a really impressive animatronic. Oh, and the cool. CGI holds it remarkably well. Um, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Melodrama aside, I'm, I'm a lot happier with the final fight, no matter how redundant it may seem. Like, how exactly is this in getting through the pipes? Uh, yeah, I I did wonder that too. Just, this thing's just... the size of the um, the giant Chitari whale carriers from the Avengers movies, and it's somehow getting around the water pipe system of Hogwarts. I don't know. Mind you, the amount of food they're feeding them at the Great Feast, you know, they probably need aqueduct-sized sewage systems to uh, to handle the waste. But yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so we've we've concluded it a number of times. I enjoyed it. I just think there are a lot of flaws, and at the minute, two films into this series, I'm quite surprised that. Sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm Not just. I'm just surprised that it's uh, as successful as it is, <laughs> giving the. Uh, I mean, to me personally, I think there are far more competently told films and mm. uh, and stories out there that add something new and interesting uh, and I, that's my biggest takeaway from this so far is that I'm just surprised at how massive it is considering yeah. um, uh, to be honest that's how I feel about uh, E.T. definitely um, definitely E.T. but to some extent Indiana Jones I didn't grow up with Indiana Jones and I can enjoy it for what it is but I don't care. I'm I'm perfectly happy to watch them. Um, but I don't understand why people are still talking about them now with such reverence. Um, okay, that's interesting. I mean, I I, I sort of get it, but it, it, it's sort of the, my equivalent is the Indiana Jones series. Right. Yeah. Um. I completely disagree, but I'll. Uh... I'll respect your opinion on that. <laughs> uh, in no way am I comparing Harry Potter to Indiana <laughs> to Jones. Indiana Jones. Quality. Um, just, just as a, <laughs> a statement there. But just I'm just saying it's sort of the same mindset. Whereas I, I get why people would like them, but just not to the, the extent that it's still something that people bring up as the most important thing in their life. Sure. No, I can appreciate that. Uh, right, we're going to do what we did last week, I think. That was an extra long episode. We really need to chop these episodes down if I had some way of doing that. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to leave the podcast there for now. And um, we will do pickups on sometime this week. And we will get the hypothetical, hypothetically speaking, and uh, Fan Fiction Thursday to you uh, separately. Uh, I think that seemed to go fine uh, last week, so... Uh, we'll do the same. It's it, it's a shame we've got to cut it from the main podcast, but it's just what happens. We're trying to we're trying to do these interesting conversations and reviews yeah, and retrospectives. What we'll do is we'll we'll cut out the sort of like oh what have you been up to section next week. We'll just leap straight into Harry Potter. How about that? Yeah, we'll give it a shot. Why not? Um, and just for I'm going to put together a sort of ranking system. Um, so of the two, which one did you prefer, Chamber of Secrets or Philosopher's Stone? That's difficult because they both feel like the same film to me. Um, right, I will say they both came out within a year, actually, which is really impressive. Yeah. Really impressive. I will say. What am I going to say? I think I'm going to say the first one. 
Okay. For now, I think I do like uh, origin stories, and um, so I'll uh, that might change next week. I might come back and say to you, actually, you know what? I prefer Chamber of Secrets. That's uh, fine. It's fine. It'd be nice to keep it sort of fluid and ever changing, and we can debate as the series go on and as time goes on how that can potentially change your uh, your view of the films. So yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I did enjoy that. So. We'll get uh, the third and fourth films in the series watched this following week. And uh, yeah, we'll come out next week and ruin them all. <laughs> create, create a lot of hate and, uh, and angst again next week. So uh, thank you all for joining us. If you've stayed with us this long, it really does mean a lot. Please continue to uh, you know comment if you'd like to comment and like and all that good stuff. Uh, Matt, thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure as always. Absolutely. And we will see you next week, guys. So take care. We'll see you then. Expelliarmus. Whatever you said. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>